0: Hello and welcome to WCW vs NWO podcast. The podcast that analyzes, dissects and throws garbage at one of the most important errors in wrestling history. I'm your host Dave and this episode marks a full year of WCW pay-per-views for us. We are back at Bash in the Beach where I was all born and we are drowning in WCW madness. And when you're drowning you need two excellent lifeguards and I got two of the best. First from Dublin, Ireland, Fergus Looney. How are you doing? I'm just too busy over here in the corner checking out all the babes. Don't worry about me. Uh, it's good to
1: be here. It's good to be here. Uh, I can't believe it's been a year. I can't believe they're still doing the same storyline and they haven't really progressed it. But here we are. Uh, let's get into it.
0: And <laughs> from Chicago, Connor O'Donnell, how are you keeping?
2: I'm doing good. Yeah, I'm just glad we have some new talent on this show. I've been waiting for just something new to happen, and we're we're finally there. <laughs> And we're getting into the second half of 1997, so excited. But I still have a beer that I haven't opened up. And, oh, yeah, Revolution, Traffic Hero, once again.
0: Love Yeah, yeah, plugs and sponsors. Sponsors.
2: (laughs) Plugs and sponsors and things. Monster trucks, come on. We need our monster truck pay and Harleys.
1: (laughs) Or Slim Jims. I'd I'd take Slim Jims. He seemed to make a lot of money on a Slim Jims. I'd snap into a Slim Jim.
0: Yeah. (laughs)
2: Oh, 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 yeah.
0: (laughs) But a lot of going on in the Nitros this time around, so we're going to jump straight in. Nitro Recap.
2: Nitro Recap. We are live, chronicling the past month of WCW Monday Nitro. In our number one of this podcast, we begin with the feud between Rey Mysterio Jr. and the NWO. Six has had several successful title defenses against Rey over the past couple months, all of them ending with the Outsiders helping Six win the match. As Dave mentioned on past episodes, the Jackknife Powerbomb looks oh so good when delivering it to a man of Rey Mysterio's uh, small stature. But on the June 30th episode of Nitro, Rey cuts a promo claiming he's tired of being pushed around by Nash and the NWO. Rey wants to know if he can beat Nash in a match and demanded won that very night. Nash, of course, accepts mocking the size of Rey Mysterio. As we get to the match, Nash ragdolls Mysterio and wins with another devastating Jackknife power bomb, continues the power bombs post-match until my boy K Dog, that's Conan for all you youngins out there. K breaks Rey's knee so Rey can be written off TV for a month while he gets his knee surgery, as we mentioned on the previous episode. So no Rey on the podcast for a little bit more. Guys, what do you think about this feud? Was it a shame it was not paid off? on a pay-per-view.
0: It was, but it's understandable. Ray is injured and using an actual real-life injury to get the NWO more over, make them feel more dominant opposed to kind of chicken shit heel like they are sometimes. Just go out, destroy someone. And it doesn't do much for Ray, but Ray could probably take 100 losses and no one would care as long as he gets his big win somewhere in the end. I'm not entirely convinced he's going to get his big win over Big Kev, but... <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he'll give the NWO some come-opens at some stage. Yeah, but just think of all the heat that, K- that K-Dog
1: got, though. Really important to keep him nice, <laughs> nice and well. Oh, my God. Going into I like that you called Singles him K-Dog. Run. Yes, <laughs> of
2: course. <laughs> I actually did not remember you was called K-Dog until I was doing research and watching some 98 WCW. I was like, oh, my God, they called him K-Dog. <laughs> I can't wait until we get that. How, cool. more, how
1: more mid-'90s wrestling can you get, to be honest? <laughs> oh, it's stage.
2: fantastic.
1: But yeah, you got to keep him, you got to keep him on uh, nicely simmered so that when Ray comes back, he has like a proper feud partner. (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. We'll we'll see. I mean, yeah, for continuity, like I I don't trust WCW, but at least for actually this angle has had some continuity, which like, I'm like, thank you. We're, we're, we're we're referencing past moments of the NWO, like continually bullying people around the dart into the, the trailer. Finally, we're bringing up past events. It's, Sometimes it feels like the past doesn't exist in WCW, in my opinion.
1: I'm surprised Kevin was willing to do it. It seems beneath him, to be honest, at this point in his career.
2: Beneath him, what, to, to wrestle, rare? To do
0: a move. Just egotistically, yeah. <laughs> to do a move. Yeah. <laughs> Not stand on the apron and just get tagged into flex sometimes, you know. Hey, brushing your hair is a move, all right?
1: Yeah. And it's a very, very potent part of his arsenal. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Next up, moving on to the Sting update. Not much new this month, but he does make an appearance in one of the most WCW endings to the June 30th episode of Nitro. So we have the Outsiders and Randy Savage take on DDP, Lex Luger, and the Giant. Surprise, surprise, the match ends in a quick schmaz with the NWO hitting the ring. But we have two day debuts. So we have Raven, who's been sitting ringside all the whole episode. He jumps the barricade. While he's been looking on for the entire match, we also have the rumored impact player. He makes his television debut in WCW.
0: Not moving at all. Another elbow. I mean, if you want his ribs, take that ace bear. Look <laughs> at this. I'm Sting. Sting from the ceiling. We just saw Sting. Who was that? We just saw Sting in the stands. Look and at Hogan backpedal. Look at Hogan backpedal. <laughs> He wants nothing to do with the Stinger. Yeah, because you know what Sting is packing. And now, members of the NWR Sting has come down from the top of the MGM Grand. And Sting single-handedly has run up. Oh, who the oh, Kurt my Hennig, My God, it's Kurt Hennig. Could that be the impact player? It's could, gotta could be. That be. Could that be Dallas Page's mystery partner? I don't know. I, I, I don't could, know. If there's any impact player in the world, it's Kurt Hennig. Raven's over the steel guardrail. Raven is out as well. Fans, we are out of time. We gotta go. It's wild. on nitro.
2: Which one is it? You got me. So Mr. Perfect, Kurt Hennig, and Raven, whose side are these guys on? There's a lot to unpackage with this ending. Tons of chaos. You can tell this is Bischoff booking 101. He loves leaving the audience, asking questions, the soap opera cliffhangers. We're out of time. I mean, the questions I'm left with is when will Raven wrestle? I love you, Raven wrestle now, please. Cause Raven was actually one of the few characters I enjoyed when I watched WCW back in late at 98, but we'll discuss more on him later. Same, same thing with Hennig. I, I loved a lot of his work in WWF earlier. I'm just excited to have another established WWF star jump over. Cause we haven't had a guy jump over what, since like maybe Piper. I can't think of a, a anybody like that big.
0: No, it's hard. To, I know like there's some middle guys in the NWO and I can't keep track of them cause they're never on the pay-per-views. So maybe I mean, Virgil doesn't count. Yeah. I was going to say Virgil's <laughs> technically a jump over, right?
2: Yeah. He actually came
0: before <laughs> Piper though. So yeah, it, yeah he's, it's, he's a it's, good it's really been him. a long
2: time. We've seen Bischoff rely on the chaos of this like live television, wrestlers jumping from other companies wondering whose side are they on. We keep asking this question and I've been watching all the nitros, but you guys have watched like episodes here and there. Do you guys think this is an effective strategy asking questions? Like, is this still going strong with the one year anniversary of the NWO? Cause I mean, that's how it all started. The big match was based on the question.
0: Who is the third man? No, I don't think this is effective long-term booking. And not only from a, from a wrestling standpoint, I'm just a fan of television in general. Leaving people with questions nearly every episode, I think, is kind of garbo. And it's understandable when it's leading up to a pay-per-view because you want to sell the pay-per-view to people. But if you're relying entirely on surprise factor, opposed to the quality of your product week in, week out to get people to stay tuning in, there's also, it'll be a lot to get in on the show. You know, it's a ratings war, they want to beat WWE in the ratings, but realistically the ratings aren't everything even back then we talk about now ratings mean barely anything but even back then ratings don't mean as much it's just people at home with these boxes it it doesn't actually always reflect who is more popular either it makes for very weird booking i think
1: yeah i mean i i kind of partially agree with that if you keep making questions eventually you have to provide answers otherwise people will eventually get pissed off
2: that's exactly what i have written down i mean that's that's just writing You have
1: to, you have to eventually have that answer. And the reason the the beginning of the angle works so well is because there's an answer to the question that they posed. They gave away who the third man was. They had somewhere to go.
2: Yeah. And, and the payoff was well-deserved. Yeah. The payoff was well-deserved. I I like this analogy that I heard on OSW, you know, imagine a sitcom has like a season finale, like who shot Mr. Burns or whatever. And then you just never have part two. Like wrestling does that, which is so weird. And it's just like, it's such a fuck you to the audience. Yeah. that people it's put just it. why I, I like i just said fuck you to wrestling because if you're gonna have like you know the who's who drove the limo who raised the briefcase gt i'm like if you don't pay these things off like why am i watching
0: why yeah they, that still happens today it's a kind of yeah. almost carny ishness to the wrestling industry that's so different from any other writing but yeah it is infuriating and, and as anti kind of twist as i am like they're doing it's fine to pop the ratings every now and again or get people excited. But yeah, there's, there's no payoff or when the payoff they build up, like, Oh, if Luger and if Luger and giant beat the NWO, the NWO was done for. Well, that's not true. That's just a line. I can't, I don't <laughs> buy into that. I don't think even as a teenager, I wouldn't think, Oh, the NWO is going to go away. Of course, they're not going to go away. Just with one victory. They've exchanged victories for a year. What does this one mean?
1: Yeah. They just, they have to try and provide answers and, they haven't really been doing that. There's a lot of stalling going on for various reasons. I'm sure there's some for booking, some for egos, some for other unfortunate instance. Like I know that some, in some cases people get injured and stuff and that causes things to change. And yeah, that's a unique quality to the, the industry as of itself. But yeah, they still have to answer things. They're not very good at doing that.
0: <laughs> it, it feels like also, and I don't know if this is the case, no one's ever going to know if this is the case. There are certain storylines where they have taught true. What do we want to do in two months? There's others that they're very definitely writing week to week. And that's just obvious, I think.
2: Yeah, in some aspects. I mean, to be on their side, I think they have effectively built this pay-per-view up, at least for the the surprise entrance. I mean, again, I I think it was just the time period of having two rival companies because now this obviously doesn't work. And I wish they would reference this night, like, oh, what happened after the cameras went down? That's what bugs me the most, too. It's like, well, what did Raven do? He jumped the barricade, then what? He just stood there? He walked
0: off. Why? Well, why
2: well, are you telling me you just, you genuinely had
1: no money and went, sorry, can't pay the cameraman, got to turn it off. <laughs>
2: right. See, I'm asking the questions, but I'm like, I don't care about the questions. So that's part of my yeah. problem with it, too.
0: You You need to care about getting answers, and eventually you don't care about answers also if they're nonsensical. So that comes back to my giant and lex beat the beat the outsiders in a match the commentators were telling us the nwo have no power anymore nothing changes the next episode of nitro now now i'm conditioned to not care what answers you present to me because they're not they don't make an impact to this specifically these debuts i get what they're trying to do and they're trying to build up the mystery partner and all who who's going to jump in the ring for ddp but it just makes both men's debut less impactful you also could have done the same thing without Raven jumping the barricade. He could have just sat there and just had the camera look at him for a second and go, Raven's here, Perfect's here, everyone's here, what's going to happen? Why is Raven jumping the barrier? He's just got kind of his ass kicked. There was like four of them there.
2: They could have been a little bit more subtle with it, but it's, yeah. it's got to be chaos. Things are going on. There's two stings. We haven't mentioned that. For some reason, there's two stings. <laughs> there's like, there's like 11 stings.
1: people in the ringside area. Like There's also uh, fucking Virgil and... Um Buff Bagwell is down. Is down by ringside. Like, Pretty sure Tons Muda's
0: there too. Yeah, <laughs> that's cr- it's, uh, Chono. Chono's there. Chono, sorry. Uh. Yeah, Chono's there. And like Buff doesn't even notice him. Yeah. <laughs> Buff runs out like the very last second as well. So there's a beat down, and everyone's everyone's done. Like DDP is taking his fifth elbow drop or whatever, and Buff just runs down and starts putting boots into someone. I'm like, oh, good for you, Buff. You know that you need to get your TV timer. you're just going to be one of these mid carders forever. I guess. I like to think he wasn't supposed to be there. Just when Bischoff wasn't looking, he was around there. He's like, yeah, TV time. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. Now, to to
2: be fair, the following week on Nitro, Hennig claims that he's a free agent, assures he will be at Bash of the Beach, not sitting in the seats. Flair tries to recruit Hennig. He refuses and lets everybody know he'll reveal whose side he's on at Bash of the Beach.
0: Man, (laughs) Hennig would would be a perfect horseman. It's almost like...
2: It might happen, and it the might year happen.
0: But yes. uh. <laughs> well, we're going—we're just going to have
2: to see because we're out of time on the Nitro recap. <laughs> Let's bust out the sunscreen. It's time for Bash at the Beach,
0: 1997. Listen up, uh, Hulk Hogan and And Dennis wow. Wow. have signed the When well, I laid unconscious, you spray painted me. left me! And now Luger gets down to the belt. Oh. You humiliated me! They lured him into the ring on the premise of taking him out! What comes around? Rodman nails the Giant with the world title belt! What around? Hogan and Rodman are going to change the face of our sport if we don't do something about it right now! The Giant is coming! Oh. Oh show opens up with a video package giant and lex are fed up of the nwo and all the beat downs they've been taking and the one thing i take away from this video package is man wcw fans control a lot of garbage in the ring (laughs) every time lex and giant are getting their beat down there are just waves of waves of garbage catching really good moments and shots with video package at the start
1: must be a southern
0: mentality connor is it
2: yeah, sure. I, I don't want to yeah. get beat up by the by the <laughs> Southerners
0: <laughs> being from the North. <laughs> I do think it's interesting that it's a WCW thing. It very happened in WWF shows, but I think it became a habit. It became something cool to do to throw garbage at the NWO.
2: Yeah, Bischoff likes to claim that like, oh, well, we did such a good job. This is legitimate heat. And It's like, well, I, I think there was there was one or two times where it was planted. I think most of it was organic, but there was like one time, I think it was after the turn happened. It was like really weird everything was like plastic clean bottles i know this (laughs) (laughs) This doesn't make any sense but like most of the nights you can see it's like full pictures of like coke and like popcorn and paper and stuff like that's real stuff i understand that for sure a bunch
0: of it is like Nash is like a magnet for it he keeps getting it in the head and stuff like that when it's the actual fonts
2: bischoff claims he got hit by a battery once that's fucking <laughs> no. Brilliant Philly, yeah.
0: Oh, you shouldn't laugh yeah. that loud. <laughs> 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 Take that bitch <dish laughs> off.
2: Fantastic. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, speaking of garbage, this, yeah, the whole opening pro, promo package was such garbage. The cheap voice effects and coming from Canadian Stampede, our last episode, you should uh, listen to that one. It was a great episode. Uh, man, back to the shit promo packages.
0: Yeah, it's not great. It doesn't help that both men and them, Lex and Giant, are just at the moment complete. Charisma, black holes, rubes, yeah, <laughs> and, and they're not being they're not being booked that well either. So I'm not I'm not really invested in them.
2: Well, part of the problem is they've been saying the same thing for I don't know a year. Like at WCW, it's just like oh, I'm sick and tired. Like yeah, I know you've been sick and tired for a while. Yeah. Can we do, do something, something about
0: it? <laughs> yeah, this is it. This is exactly what I meant. It's like oh, uh, if we beat them this time, that'll show them. Well, it or will you just get beat up on Nitro tomorrow. This match means. Nothing and it's very easy to tell because there's no stakes. Like, I thought they'd have way more matches where it's like if the NWO lose, like we take all their titles off them or they're not allowed on Nitro tomorrow or something. Instead, they just put these vague, they're gonna dismantle the NWO. Really? How would you like to break that down for me? Or, well, Dusty says
2: apparently a bad outing from Dennis Rodman can cost it all.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We are greeted by Tony and Bobby in. Marvelous Hawaiian t-shirts, while Dusty is uh, still in his slimming black number. You'd think Dusty would would be all for a Hawaiian shirt, right? They're made for men of his uh, girt. (laughs) Tony asks Brain, who will DDP's mystery partner be versus Hall and Macho Man tonight? Brain looks befuddled by the question, and he says he knows as much as Tony does. He doesn't know if it's going to be Raven, Hennig, or anyone. Dusty does say it's the anniversary of the NWO, where it started, and as Connor pointed out, it could end tonight with a bad outing from Dennis Rodman. Show your work, Dusty. (laughs) Show your work. (laughs) I don't don't know where you're getting that that from. First match of the night, we get Mortis and Rat with James Vandenberg versus Glacier and Ernest Miller. This has been a few that's been the kind of same since the start. They have the helmet from Glacier. For some reason Vandenberg hates Glacier, hey, sure, it's not really ever re-explained. Mortis and Rad are the evil henchmen that are insinuated to be from Mortal Kombat. But this time there's an actual karate man <laughs> involved.
2: No, this time we have Bischoff's karate teacher. <laughs> Get him.
0: Yeah, he's very out of place. It's <laughs> yeah. like, no, it's it's nowhere more prominent
1: than when they describe their, their hometowns. As Glacier has been from some Shaolin temple
0: in the middle of nowhere.
1: <laughs> and his partner from Atlanta. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just, just as mystic. I don't know if you've ever been to Atlanta, but it's just as mysterious and mystic as oh, really, the Shaolin is it? Yeah. temples. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I the haven't Coke been, but I presume. Yeah, I <laughs> presume. Uh, weird note here is that uh, Mortis and Rat's music is like dubbed on the network, but it isn't at the end of the match. And their their music, I think, is actually cool. It's like... Funeral metal is what I have here.
2: <laughs> pretty much, I, I, I have my notes. For fuck's sake, the dub job on this WWE. Yeah, it's yeah. it's terrible. Obviously, which it makes,
0: which is weird because it makes it sound really flat. But the crowd were actually reacting to Mortis and uh, Rot
2: Yeah, this um, all these guys are actually surprisingly over still, and people actually do like Miller. I've actually been pretty impressed with them. You know, I guess the only thing that's different really going into this match is that Miller. We've seen him wrestle now. Cool. The fans are excited to see him because we've kind of properly introduced him now. I mean, it's took long enough to get this feud uh, going or ending, hopefully soon.
0: Yeah, So, God.
2: But uh, yeah, the crowd's actually excited to see this
0: match. Of, of note, Miller might be the only man that's been in an actual Mortal Kombat tournament. So that's kind, of, that's kind of ironic. But before the bell, while the snow is still falling, all four men jump on each other. Glacier and Miller... It's, great. it's so... It's <laughs>
1: Just the way you said jump on each other, it sounded like they were having a pillow fight or something.
0: Yeah, no, that, that's a <laughs> real that. No, keep it there. Uh, also, for some reason, I yeah. keep getting put no, off by saying going. Glacier and Miller. That kind of puts me off. They're not very similar names, but I'll, <laughs> I'll work through it.
2: Yeah, you can see what's wrong with this angle. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Glacier and Miller coming out on top, giving Mortis the business. When Rat tries to stop uh, stop it, we get Miller's first kind of proper wrestling involvement, with a weird kind of kick from the top rope spinning back heel is what I have it noted as, but I don't know if we could go as far to call it that. His kicks look pretty great. Yeah. Uh, he, he does not look comfortable running the ropes though. No, his kicks do look decent. He's being a bit soft, which is fine. You don't want to hurt the other guys. You, you actual, you actually have martial arts training and you don't want to knock someone out on your wrestling matches, but yeah, they look fine. They're not, he's not Tajiri.
2: I mean, few few are. Yeah, (laughs) let's let's be real here. But yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised with WCW fashion. I'm surprised if like Miller's had like I don't know two matches on his belt by this
0: point. Yeah, considering that some of his kick combos in the early match they look cool. As I said, maybe a little more whip to them when he gets further in. I I can't remember his cat kind of air matches. Just his promos and the weirdness of the of the gimmick. But yeah, not a not a. Bad first pay-per-view outing, I think.
1: it's fine. I'm already deflated because I'm having to watch the same match again. I know Miller is slightly different and all, but we're still watching this match probably for like the third or fourth time now on pay-per-view. I'm just not into it. Even if it's a good match, I'm just like, I don't care.
0: I'll say all all four men do a really good job of just highlighting Miller's strengths and just setting up spots to him to look cool. like Stuff like rat powers both men into the corner after they kind of jump him. And they both come out with like a double drop kick, and I think Miller looks really great in these kind of exchanges. He he also just doesn't take that much damage because maybe he's not that comfortable with bumping yet. But the bumps he does take looks fine. I have to highlight rat right again and pressing the crap out of me. The senton he hits from the apron onto a standing glacier looked fantastic.
2: Was not expecting that.
0: Yeah, such a huge guy. That's so before before his time. That's stuff like big guys are doing nowadays.
1: He's a good guy. He's good, good hand like, when he's motivated. It's just I don't see him very motivated
0: too often, unfortunately. I was about to say, why would you be motivated when the, the very top aren't, you know? After this sent on, he holds a chair against Glacier's head, props it up against the ring post while he's standing there. Mortis slides out of the ring and kicks the chair into the Glacier's head, and I thought it was a pretty decent-looking spot. I like those kind of spots that are definitely 100% safe, but kind of look gruesome.
2: Yeah, I, th- I thought they stepped up the violence in the match, too. I think that's what sets it apart as well.
0: Yeah, there's a a couple things that look like they're actually trying to take out Glacier opposed to just win a wrestling match.
1: Yeah, I figured that was like an ending type spot, probably. And then the match went on for a lot lot longer than I expected to.
0: Yeah, I thought they could have called for DQ there and just had them beat down Glacier. To be honest, I thought that would have been a fine. (laughs) It's weird demanding more screwy endings from a WCW pay-per-view. But I (laughs) wouldn't mind it if they just went, well, we don't care if we win. Let's just try and break his leg. Halfway through the match, a graphic comes up saying, voice of Mike Tanay, because no one bothered to uh, introduce him for the match. (laughs) I also am not sure why he's out for the first match.
1: They just assumed it was a Um, Cruiserweight match by mistake. Uh,
0: (laughs) Someone did a kick. Get him out there. Get him right out there. (laughs) These guys have to be from Japan. (laughs) (laughs) Mortis and Rat work over Glacier introducing some sweet-looking double-team moves, which we hadn't seen from before into the mix, including a powerbomb neckbreaker and a reverse Boston Crab into a second rope leg drop onto the back of Glacier's head. Miller eventually gets tagged in cleaning house with some more great looking kicks. Glacier covers Mortis while Vandenberg puts a chain around Mortis's foot in a kind of awkward way. Then he puts the foot on the rope to break up a slow pin by the ref. Vandenberg tries to distract Glacier on the apron and eats a super kick for his trouble. Then gives Mortis enough time to recover and hit Glacier with a super kick with a chain wrapped around his foot three count. <laughs> a bit. of oh, uh, That ending was so dumb. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of like the putting the foot on the rope after wrapping a chain around it because the yeah. ref, ref was so counting. It was a lot. Just hand the guy a chain. Stay with the classics, I guess.
2: But but these guys are Mortal Kombat guys. They have they have to kick. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I I just had only in WCW would you put a foreign object on a foot. Then draw attention to the object to save the match. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, sure, but what, what? I thought I thought it was a unique way to, and you know, usually you have the brass knuckles or for an object with your hand or whatever. I thought it was unique, it, it so was, I was okay. It was cool. It was just the way they went about it. Just, the execution for was poor, for
0: sure, for sure. I blame that on Vandenberg. Yeah, Vandenberg just had to do too many things. Like you could have had the ref was a bit distracted, I think. So you could have easily had Vandenberg put the chain around the guy's foot. The guy you just kick up after a while and then just hit a suit like reverse something and hit a super kick. Vandenberg didn't need to be involved three separate times in that ending.
2: Maybe have wrath. like put the chain on his foot or something. Yeah, whatever.
0: Yeah. Just have the weapon introduced. I don't mind the chain on the foot for the sister's su- 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 super kick, but <laughs> <laughs> I do mind Vandenberg being like all over the place. Why doesn't Vandenberg just break up the pin? If he's just going to be like doing literally everything. It's a bit weird, but it's a fine ending. I do like that they can't kick him in the face. There's a chain on his foot. It's just too dangerous. So they do a chest kick, and uh, Brain makes sure to make that sound devastating in commentary.
2: So, guys, we have to talk about it. The streak is over. What do you think? Glacier, (laughs) what
0: happened? (laughs) Yeah, on the random fashion beach. (laughs) I was convinced Miller was going to eat the pin, so you could technically call Glacier undefeated still. I guess, but, like... I, I think I'll be able to sleep at night somehow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I,
2: same, just because uh, can these guys please move on to different feuds or something? I, I just yeah. know like all these guys are just going to be kind of shoved aside for now. I, I actually thought the match was better than to be expected.
1: Tons better, yeah, than it had any right to be, to be honest, I think.
2: Yeah, I, well, you sounded. I thought you were down on the match in the beginning because we've seen it so many times. So. I think,
1: yeah, I, I, I was just kind of bored with it, but it, it is a good match. Okay. I'm just, I just couldn't get into it that
0: way. I came in expecting so little though. So I don't know if these are, if I'm actually legit. I am enjoying them, but I don't know if I would enjoy them if I expected more out of the wrestlers. But Mortis and Rat, even though their gimmicks are silly, are fantastic. Like They're just good wrestlers. They're a lot better than the majority of the people on the card. Glacier, just a fine wrestler. He uses a silly gimmick. Miller, pretty great outing for someone that's only a handful of wrestling matches. So yeah, I can't really fault this match. Also, we're calling them silly gimmicks, but as I've said a couple times, Kane and Undertaker are the silliest gimmicks that have ever existed, and they got so over. The difference between calling these people garbage, like wrestling fans calling the Glacier stuff garbage, and the Undertaker Kane stuff garbage, is one of them got to stick around and have a legacy, and the other one didn't, you know? I've noted, and this isn't a slight on Vandenberg, who is a decent manager, he's just so much worse than Paul Barreto. He's no opportunity to have a character. Wow. That's also true. Like what, what is his character? Um, he collects things. He's basically the collector from Avengers, but before his time, yeah. I guess,
2: I don't know. Yeah. People can say this is bad timing with a gimmick, but yeah, I, I, I agree with Dave. I think this, these guys could have been molded in some, I mean, they obviously do get molded into something different. At least Canyon does, but I, I think the glacier character could have been handled a little bit better. And especially yeah. I'm curious to see how it is going forward. I know how it kind of ends. But I don't know how this next few months go. So I'm actually very curious to see where they go with these characters.
0: As far as I know, Glacier doesn't get much of a second bite. But yeah, you talked about Canyon and Chronic is like pretty over in their time at the very end of WCW. So at least Mortis and Glacier, uh, Mortis, sorry, and um, Rat get used correctly at some stage. I don't think I can say the same for Glacier, unfortunately ddp is answering questions from internet nerds backstage he's topless of course because he knows how to make the money
2: i, I had to note that too yeah <laughs> he his favorite
0: of course like how else would you conduct
1: interviews put in your a topless attire with your with your dad in the background yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. and if i if i looked as good as ddp a top i'd be podcasting topless so you know And as we bring you the action here in the arena, back in the locker room area, as we'll take a look here in just a moment, Diamond Dallas Page. we have a
2: question here from I Love Cows in Beverly Hills, Michigan, who writes, who is your mystery partner going to be
0: for tonight? What's his name? His name's I Love Cows. Well, since I Love Cows wants to know, it's my dad, DDP, Diamond Dallas' dad, that's my partner.
2: Like, I'm really going to tell you, especially with a name like I Love Cows? Stop, next question. Okay, JJ in Atlanta...
0: D- ddp <laughs> ddp can't stand for diamond dallas dad ddp that's three d's there's no p at the end of that i, I don't know where where he got that i also love when he's asked a se- uh, the third question like the normal question at the end by a normal name person is kimberly at ringside he just tuts as if it's another stupid question of course of course nerd <laughs> <laughs> He's just too cool not to talk about internet nerds at this stage. And I mean, how can you not give out to somebody when their username is supposedly, I love cows? Cows are pretty great, in fairness. <laughs> I it, mean, it, the internet it, was it still in its
2: infancy, so our internet name we're not, like, you know, leveled up as uh, to the point we have it
0: now. Yeah. This might, this might be my second favorite internet segment so far. Second match of the night, we have Ultimate Dragon squaring off against Chris Jericho. So two of the Maybe all time WCW greats. I've been anticipating this match for a while. Chris is the cruiserweight champion. Shock horror! Uh, when did that uh, title change happen on Nitro, Connor?
2: Well, it didn't happen on Nitro. When did it happen? It happened on. I think they called it the Saturday Night Nitro. It's it's just a house show, which is what happened. So after Six and Ray had a match, Jericho came out and challenged Six. And beat him in thirty seconds. <laughs> nice. What a baby face what a way baby to face win the title! <laughs> not to do it on TV. They could have had this great moment of, oh, we get one over on the NWO, but no, we don't see it on TV.
0: So why why does just this just stuff very... happen to Ray so often? I know Six lost the title, but like it's when like when Ray lost the title to Cena for just accepting that challenge. Why did Six Ooh. accept the challenge? <laughs> I don't get it. Why Why not be like, no, I just wrestled. That's silly. I <laughs> know we can do it a different night.
2: Oh, th- oh. this whole thing is just silly. I don't know why they had to do this. I th- I think Six wanted to just get away from the cruiserweight division. I think that's the uh, rumor reason. He feels he's
1: above it. Yeah, yeah,
2: he showed that he could wrestle with the big boys when he like wrestled with Flair and all that stuff. So he's just like, ah, I don't want the belt anymore. Get me away from this division.
0: Well, that stuff has plagued him like his entire career. In fairness, his early run in WWF. Mm. He asked the same things. He's like, well, I'm I'm, like, I'm wrestling the big guys. Can I not just have title runs and stuff? And they refused. He was too small or that Vince thought he was too small. (laughs) There's only only room for one small guy and you. Yes. So like instead he became the the benchmark for good matches. If you couldn't have a good match with six, you couldn't have a good match and they, they weren't that interested in you long term. So I can imagine a lot of that got carried over into this new company where in fairness, as much as I've given him crap because of the X Pac, he he gets later in his career. He's doing great, and he's probably one of the bright lights in the NWO at the moment.
2: Oh, for sure. I mean, this is what I was talking about earlier on. That just like really turns me off wrestling. Like this wouldn't happen in other television shows. Oh, yeah, Chris Jericho's the champion. You guys missed it. You have to go to the house shows to, to see it. That's yeah. it. it's not like, it's what? not on TV. So like it just didn't happen. You're just telling me it did. I just feel like the the divisions just got like cheated as well the past few months because like we haven't seen six wrestle that much either
1: yeah he's been like injured or avoiding matches almost
0: it's weird that ray didn't take the title off him as well but they hot shot it over to chris but i guess maybe they they knew knew he was injured right yeah they knew he was injured so it's so random just jericho he's doing nothing we haven't
2: seen him in what sold out yeah i think it's sold out it's got lovely
1: music though lovely lovely inoffensive music I've, I've actually come around on the music it's better than like 70 percent of everything else because it has like a different actual tune to it yeah <laughs> but it is like the most inoffensive babyface white bread thing
0: you can listen to i've noted here i am i am sick of jericho and i never thought i'd say that in my entire wrestling fan life but happy go lucky early wcw jericho was bad Oh, it's awful. His gimmick Come is really Come on, fast. baby. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Ultimo Dragon, though, surprised by his own pyro, which I thought was yeah. hilarious. <laughs> I don't think he knew he was going to get pyro, and he, he looked generally startled by it.
2: I don't think he knew he was going to be in this match. I mean, it makes no sense for him to be in this match, really. They, they wrestled on Nitro uh, two weeks before this, I think. That's your buildup, you know?
0: Yeah, they have history, but no history that American fans would know. They've, re- they've wrestled in Mexico a decent amount, as far as I know.
2: The uh, Japan too. So, the, yeah, the the big famous match that they have is in uh, war. And that's how Jericho got his job in ECW was the uh, match with Ult- Ultimate Dragon. So, a lot of history. And, and thankfully, we have Tanei out to tell us this because if not, this match would have been so bad.
0: Yeah, I'm really surprised by these two. But we'll get a bit into the match before breaking it down. The start of the match is, of course, some excellent high paced chain and mat wrestling. Boatmen start doing moves and end in mirroring each other with spinning heel kicks, drop kicks, but the crowd doesn't seem into it at all. They're very quiet until a very hard double powerbomb by Jericho waking them up.
2: It's a great example of why Jericho succeeded in this division. It's like the double powerbomb just looks awesome on imposing cruiserweights. And the same thing like with why the Lion Tamer looks so great.
0: Yeah, this is also back when uh, Jericho was into the kind of stiffer style. He does lighten up yep. later in his career. Those power bombs looked heavy and they looked hard. I think this match is a bit botchy. And the first one that I noticed, <laughs> the drop kick that missed by a mile, where Jericho drop kicks Dragon to the outside, and yeah. Dragon just bumps anyway. Yeah, it, which it didn't even look like spo- anything really. <laughs> yeah, what else is Dragon supposed to do in that situation? But Chris doesn't get near him. Also, Dragon then just doesn't catch him when Chris follows up with a dive to the outside which also is way more dangerous and very messy. Yeah,
2: a lot of weird things in this match. I we, we have to talk about two things that outside the match that just really caught my eye. First, are they saying we want six? Or, I, I r- think so. Chance?
0: I couldn't make it. An I answer. thought
2: maybe it was Sting, but it, it sounded like six. It's something with Ness, for sure it's probably in my mind's like I want six I love <laughs> it's
0: probably Steiner probably we want Steiner that's what I imagine yeah, sure yeah. sure sure of course
2: another thing I, I I really noticed, especially when we during the the botch spot laser pointers are just becoming noticeable in wrestling I remember for some reason 90s wrestling people love their laser pointers for some reason I, I don't get it
0: it's so tough to watch uh, segments back so a while after this when we get ministry undertaker in the wbf and they're doing the they're they're sacrificing Midian on a raw <laughs> there's laser pointers <laughs> everywhere because they they do very dark segment you know and a fake knife and you can barely see taker and bear except there's laser pointers like all over both of them yeah i want to blame dX for this for some reason
1: whether or not it's it's true or not but i Sounds doing like the that. x and stuff and people having like instead of glow sticks they had laser pointers
2: i mean it sounds right i mean i remember i remember getting a laser pointer around this time because like oh it's the cool thing to do and i like dx too so i'm like all right i'll get a laser pointer so my childhood is just coming together here
0: <laughs> <laughs> in in a similar spot moments after the missed drop kick jericho throws dragon to the outside when dragon tries for frankensteiner but this time when Jericho jumps off the top rope, he's met with a dropkick midair. These are pretty big jumps for neither man to be landing on anyone on. <laughs> pretty big impacts, and I'm surprised Jericho's knees are holding up so well today. Back in the ring, Jericho misses with a springboard to, uh, to the apron from Bet's rope. Dragon fakes a dive to the outside with a, I want to call it 619. What do you guys call when they spin in between the top and the mineral? Whatever. I, we know what you mean with 619. 619 though. fake out, yeah. Yeah, 619 fake out back in the ring. He then fakes a slingshot to the outside and lands on the apron. Jericho tries to sweep Dragon's legs, but Dragon kicks him away and hits the Asai moonsault. Probably my favorite uh, kind of moment from the match.
1: His namesake. Yeah. T- if you weren't, if you weren't aware, <laughs> <laughs> if <Tanae laughs> it's has really starting to grate on me that that now.
2: Yeah, Tony actually calls the move correctly before Tane, so Tony couldn't jump in.
0: <laughs> Got him. Tony making the. This is why Tony makes the big books.
2: Ha! I can mark out better than you can.
0: I have a lot of classic, this is just a lot of classic Jericho and Dragon back and forth. But everything seems two or three seconds off. A lot of stuff is like half hit. It's just sloppy match by both guys.
2: Yeah, perfect example is both men. I never knew what the name of this move is until this match. The La Mahi Straw Cradle. Yeah, La Mahi Straw. Yeah. Man. So both-, both guys do this. But when Dragon starts, he starts on the wrong arm and he has to switch. And he's like too close to the ropes as well. Usually he's the one that, like he does that to perfection, but this was like the worst one I've seen. Yeah. It's, it's not right at all.
0: (laughs) Yeah. They, (laughs) I love when pin situations like that are messed up because you kind of just have to grab the guy and pin him anyway.
1: I have to give props to Ultimo for slightly evolving a move in that he does the, the kip up on the, the turnbuckle. And when he does his legs and Jericho doesn't actually stand there and look like a complete goon and tries to do something. So he just gets kicked straight in the face for, for his troubles.
0: Yeah, that looks but, much better. It, it but I liked that we were
1: like, okay, that, that's what happens if you actually try and do something to
0: him. <laughs> yeah, I, well, it's also someone looking like a goon doesn't look great. Just run back in like you would normally and let him do this cool drop kick bit, and then we don't have to marvel at the headstand for two minutes. Like, whoa, he's so athletic, <laughs> you know. It's it just get to move over with. For the finish, Dragon hits a moon salt. He then tries a Tiger Suplex, which Jericho reverses, going for a Tiger Bomb. Dragon mid-air reverses that into a Hurricane Rana pin, but Jericho rolls through for the three count. Classic. I I, I didn't realize so many matches were won with Hurricane Ranas or reversal of Hurricane Ranas at, at this time in wrestling.
2: I thought it was good booking for this match, or I mean, the booking of the finish, because I thought the finish brought me back into it. Because the rest of it, the execution just wasn't there, which is. Kind of weird, because I actually had really high expectations for
0: this match. It's really disappointing. <laughs> it's
2: like a four-star match or something. I was like, what? This match is
0: not that good. If they had executed everything clean, I think it would have been a pretty great match. But they didn't, and you can't deny that. And it was just... But it seemed like their botches turned into more botches, because spots got botched, the timing of the match went off. And then everything was, like, sloppy.
2: And the crowd noticed it, too. It was They were booing. So when, he, when, when Dragon goes for his moonsaults, he, like, looks around the ring because he's, like, confused what to do. It was the first time I th- I saw Dragon, like, lost in the match. I've just never seen that. He's uh, He always is on top of it. And this was, like, one of his worst outings, I thought.
0: I still enjoyed the match, and it was still fine. But, yeah, yeah. as, oh, as yeah, you sure. said, like, people said it was four stars or whatever. I'm like, no, it can't be. It's way too sloppy.
2: I mean, there's just a few things that bother me. Like, the commentary is wondering if, like, Six should be involved or something like that. Like, it's just... But Six, he claims he's still the champion. It's like, who cares? Why are we still bringing this up? And Dragon without heel Sunny. the face face dynamic is fine because I know they're going for the 50-50 booking here, but Jericho just isn't an established babyface at the moment. So I just don't think it works.
0: Well, turning someone's face and then not doing anything with them is a cardinal sin of wrestling, right? Having a turn for the sake of a turn, then not to develop the character. It's like Dragon is a face for no reason besides getting the pop of getting Sonny, uh, of getting Ono, kicked which is lazy booking speaking of lazy after the match jericho says to the camera this is my belt and i'm proud of it has anyone ever said a more lazy generic baby face thing in their life
2: (laughs) my god get better jericho when are you gonna get better yeah he he really needs to year a year maybe (laughs) a year oh man i mean he's better than Jarrett, so Uh, We'll get to Jarrett, don't worry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jarrett. Afterwards, also, Jericho offers the handshake, and Brain encourages Jericho to kick Dragon while he's down, which I absolutely love love to (laughs) kick him. Kick him! But Dragon accepts the the handshake, and honorable baby faces are honorable and generic. Me and Gene, I guess we have to say, rest in peace, man uh, recently passed on, and absolute, uh, I don't know, icon of this kind of era of wrestling and stayed relevant for a very long time i'll tell tell you one thing he must have made so much money off of his hotline (laughs) i was gonna say that him passing away is not gonna let him off the hook for the absolute shilling of the hotline every time i I read how much it is per minute i'm like god damn it he must (laughs) have been making money I guess we keep saying he makes money. I guess there's a chance it's just he's contractually doing it for WCW. But I like to think Gene was doing this on the side and just sliding it into the promos. Do you know who the wonderful, uh, mysterious wrestlers were that were backstage? No, who was backstage? Uh,
1: It was, of all people, Dory Funk uh, Jr. and Rob Van Dam. Oh, nice. That's
0: pretty cool. I said this before, Rob was originally supposed to be Glacier. So he was in talks with WCW years, uh, like before he was in ECW. But we won't believe who's backstage. We're doing a very, very different Glacier.
2: <laughs> yeah, a big what if of RVD's career.
0: I think he did okay. <laughs> yeah. What's more of a scam? Gene's hotline or Jeff Jarrett's Global Force Gold scam? I don't even know what the second one is. So. Oh, you've not seen bit.
2: this? I shamefully know what it kind of is. Yeah. I, yeah. I think
0: I'll, I'll go with Jarrett's. Yeah. Jared's Jarrett's using a wrestling company to sell tiny amounts of gold for large amounts of money. Essentially. Oh, fucking deadly. What a carny. <laughs> 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 you, you should Google it
1: later. It is. It is fantastic. That is full on straight out of the territories. Like.
0: Uh... <laughs> yeah. And it, like you get his signature and stuff if you buy it. Oh, of course you do. Of course you do. Because that's what everyone wants. <laughs> Gene walks down the ramp towards the uh, ring, spouting random filler on the way, because I guess he couldn't have started in the ring. He walks to the ringside, and Raven and Stevie Richards are sitting in the crowd. He asks Raven, will he be DDP's mystery partner? Raven with random cryptic messages, it essentially sums up to saying he's been asked a similar question all his life. Is there any dreams he would like to sell? Pure nonsense. It's kind of, the end usually like the start (laughs) and middle are nonsense, and the end of it kind of rounds into a point. He just rambles and has one point until he gets there, and the end is like, fine. When Richards talks to Gene and starts to talk about a big announcement for Nitro, Raven just clocks him to shut up Richards. I'm a big Stevie Richards fan, by the way. I don't know about you guys. I
2: didn't even know he was going to be in WCW. I I forgot he was, is he a part of the, well, we'll see if he's a part of the flock, but I don't remember him being part of WCW at all. So it was just a complete shock. I yeah. I can't
1: remember him being in the flock for very long if he is in it. So I
0: Probably think he, he is a big reason why Raven got over. He is like the perfect gullible kind of stooge with his crop top, <laughs> his, his crop top. Yeah. The blue world order is one of the best things of all time. Agreed. I have no bad words said about the Blue <laughs> world, world Order. But he is a really underrated wrestler. And he has some really good mid-card stints in WBF after this. Right to censor is one of the best mid-card stables of all time, I think. I'm excited to see what he does. I have a feeling he doesn't end up sticking around that long and he goes back to ECW, but I'm not 100% sure.
2: I can't wait to see how this plays out. I just love that they're eating popcorn and drinking soda, too. Just like yeah. casually. Yeah, even though there's like promos, just kind of like a lot of gibberish, like Raven, like he's just, he's confident, doesn't stumble on his words. He's not like giant or Luger or anything like that. So I, I always enjoy his promos. I, I like listening to it. At least it's not like 10 minute ramblings like Hogan promos are too. So <laughs> uh, we'll hear, we'll hear that one. <laughs> yeah, oh God. But I'm, I'm really excited. We, we can, if you guys want to talk about Raven for a little bit, I'm just really excited to see Raven because I, I actually, he's one of the few people I remember in WCW and i I've just seen so little of his career. So I'm I'm ready to dive deep more on his career.
0: Yeah. I love Raven. He is number one on my list of like misused wrestlers. I think he's used very well in ECW and WCW and WWF, especially because he does get some cool storylines in this company. Just fail to use him. I think his gimmick comes like in a perfect time. I don't think his gimmick would have worked any sooner. I don't think his gimmick would have really worked any later. And in general, I do like cult kind of leaders when they're done right in wrestling.
1: I'm kind of in the middle with him. Uh, I only really know him from WWF as well. I've seen clips and bits and pieces of his ECW stuff and all the bigger bits, but I wouldn't really know him all that well. I don't really rate him as a wrestler all that much. No, he's
2: mostly mostly character in promo
1: so i wouldn't be mad into it but i'm curious to see kind of where it goes because i never really saw the flock properly and because i was this dumb teenager like i seemed to latch on to billy kidman through that somehow so
0: same same oh i can't wait yeah. till kidman comes in white bread billy kidman <laughs> raven did train a man to never be uh power bombable so you know he did something right
2: well i, I just like raven too just because he's kind of I don't know. He just—he fits the kind of this mantra of WCW, just kind of real characters. You know, he's not like I'm gonna bring Jared, <laughs> <I> throw him <laughs> under the bus again. Like, is that like stupid cartoony? I don't know what you would call him—stripper Jared or whatever. I don't know. Like Raven, he's at least an interesting character. Brings a new element. So like I think this segment also is just like something different. Talking to somebody who's sitting in the stands as well. well. It's kind of like NWO-ish. Like the NWO guys used to do this. So it's kind of intriguing. Oh, is this going to be another member? But obviously we know he's, he's not going to be.
0: I will say Raven. Ra- Raven, again, is another move towards more realistic, more gritty characters. So you have the Outsiders. Now you have Raven. What it does highlight is how, car- how weird Lex and Big Show still are, right? And Hogan to an extent. I could see why there's interviews out there of the outsiders not bad Hogan but going, We we didn't know how long this was gonna last because Hogan can't really change. There's now a very clear divide. You have like Piper and Hogan and Giant and Lex on one side, and you have like the outsiders and some of some of the cruiserweights coming up and Raven on the other, and that's that's new wrestling. I think Flair can go to either side depending on what night <laughs> night it's on. I reckon Hogan fits. I don't think his character has really evolved, but his
1: character works with the newer stuff, I think.
0: Yeah, I I think it helps the people he's surrounded with as well. Raven is the new wrestling, you know, and any ECW guy that comes in is going to be like that. Next match, we have Chono and the Great Muda, Japanese legends, versus the Steiner Brothers. So the build-up to this match is really weird. Because uh, Dylan deemed that Harlem Heat didn't win fairly, the Steiners got a rematch. They won the rematch, so they get their shot against the outsiders. The outsiders make the Steiners sign a contract. Ha ha! The contract says you got to beat the Japanese guys first, because that's how that's how contracts work. <laughs> so we have this match where the Steiners have to beat the Japanese team Chono and Muda to progress onto the tag team title match. So the Steiners have been jumping through hoops for three, four pay per views now
2: seems like forever and it just it makes them look so dumb even Bobby says man they are so dumb they should read it
0: yeah it I hate I hate and they've already done this to Piper ah uh, faces don't read they just get mad and sign that's not how contracts work if you tell me a contract is for something and I sign it it can't just be for something else that's complete garbage that's not how contracts contract has ever worked. Uh, we'll, we'll get off I'll suspend my disbelief and believe that the Steiners are you know being honorable it's their word but Chono and Muda kind of um kind of get job but we'll get into that in a second I love Muda's entrance gear the metal style horns and skull with a silver dragon wrapped around his shoulders eat your heart out Triple H that's just what he hopes for here. <laughs> year
1: man if you if you like his gear now you should check check him out in like early 2000s in yeah. japan dave because he like he shaves his head and he becomes like
0: full-on cranky old man boss mode so nice i forget how big muda is because you know a lot of the moves he did especially when he was younger are kind of ahead of their time kind of not like heavyweight but a lot of what we see today kind of moves i forget he's just a big big dude unfortunately they, they
1: don't they don't uh, succeed in getting actual music though because they have the shitty honky tonk uh. <laughs> yeah music. Give them some respect, lads.
2: I, w- I will say, though, yeah, Moose costume, it, it kind of looks like you should be tagging with Mortis, though.
0: It does. But, but at least Muda has
2: the NWO face paint. I thought that was a nice nice touch. Yeah.
0: It's very close to being completely black, but they zoom in to see the actual NWO sign off, which is cool. Because,
2: yeah, they, they need some more attachment to the NWO, because, like, they are... It's always confusing, like, are they in the group? Are they not in the group? It's so weird. They randomly appear at times. Compared to Chono, Chono's just wearing black. That's it. Bike pants
1: do you think that they just have uh scheduled dates like they just
2: have to do probably i just i just just feel like they they can utilize these guys more like it would be cool to have like a japanese nwo style promo i'm not saying like you have to do this like every week just do it like once before this pay-per-view just to do like something different you know Bischoff always says oh we're trying new things we're breaking new ground because we always do things first not saying it was going to be amazing or anything, but it would have been something to connect these guys to the group. Yeah, yeah. It would have been a start.
0: I, I noted that the cameraman comes too close to move his entrance, and the dragon yeah, co- the cracks. Well, I think it cracks the lens. I think you can see a crack on the lens. Does it? Yeah, I think so. The Steiners get a special camera for their entrance. Did you guys notice this? You mean the one that misses their pyro? No, no, no. They get cam. There's a little there's a camera at ground level scuttling forward with two like crab uh claws in front of it. Are we supposed to believe that we're seeing the perspective of a crab? <laughs> Why was this a thing? I, I
1: can't remember if it's this match. I did I didn't really point it out, but it was pure WCW. There is somebody who gets pyro and they miss the pyro <laughs> on
2: camera. Yeah.
0: There's a lot of pyro in this pay per view, by the way. Bash is technically one of their like big four pay per views, right? Yeah, I would say number two: Bash, Halloween, uh, Starcade, and I guess that that's tree, like those big tree. Yeah, and considering it's a big tree pay per view, the Japanese guys get jobbed out. They do not. It's it's barely. <laughs> like, I don't really want to go through this match too much because all of it is just the Japanese guys don't really do any moves. Pay per view squashes are always weird because I don't mind if the Steiners would squash them. But really do it. Like, two minutes. Like, as you said, Japanese guys could a promo. Steiners get so mad that they just hit a couple clotheslines, one suplex, and it's over. Because then you also give the Japanese uh, team some legitimacy. You can just say, they got rushed. They didn't know what was happening. That was like super Steiner mode. But it's kind of still a drawn-out match where the Steiners don't really take any damage. They just do their general stuff. Like, straight away into the match, the Japanese uh, team are sneaky, and they throw the Steiners straight out. But the Steiners... Pop straight back up to the top turnbuckle and hit stereo clotheslines off the top. And from that point, I I don't think a Steiner is ever in trouble again in the match. It's very disappointing considering the people involved. Yeah, Yeah. I was really excited to see a Muda match. When I was younger, I hadn't seen many of his matches, but, you know, when I wanted to be a cool wrestling fan, I said the great Muda was one of my favorite wrestlers. But the couple matches matches I'd seen from him, I thought Muda was like amazing and we didn't get to see any of them here yeah
1: the two lads are pretty they're there to just fill the pay yeah. by numbers it feels like and i think they know that because they
0: don't really seem to care yeah well, them. they're probably getting paid pretty good money and it's not hurting their image because they probably don't care about their image with the american fans it's not going to affect the japanese fans you know so they don't care if they're putting and the steiners are still pretty legendary so losing to them isn't huge the finish to the match is super confusing. Chono breaks up a pin. While Chono and Rick fight, Scott hits a standing Frankensteiner, which is pretty nice, and tells Rick to cover Muda. When Rick covers him, Chono breaks up by pulling the ref's leg. The ref goes mental and shouts at Chono in the corner, and Chono cowers and begs in the corner as if the referee is going to stab him. When this is going on, Scott hit the top rope DDT, which was a variation of their bulldog, which was really cool. And then... The ref counts three right in front of Chono, and Chono just doesn't move. So Rick hits the cover. Scott rolls out of the ring. It's very obvious that Scott was supposed to stay in the ring and block Chono. And Chono was still cowering in the corner. Like, I don't know. Like, the ref spooked him so bad he can never break up a pin again in his life. Just sat there. So
2: Some things are stopping this match. I mean, Chono, he was very slow to break up with, like, a couple pins as well. I think there was another one ref had to make a slow count to like make up for it and at least commentary didn't point that out man i thought chono <laughs>
0: was gonna fight a fan chono was jawing right into a fan's face like a can we times. talk yeah
2: can we name that fan because that fan comes up like three four times <laughs> that guy hasn't gone a lot of people yeah. that he, he is yeah. he is a march for sure
0: he is King getting Eric. bang for his book he is interacting with every wrestler <laughs> that comes near him he's uh I, I, I fully expect that it's actually just great professionalism by the heels. But once or twice, he gets him and Chono get right, right up into each other's faces.
2: Yeah, I want to say he's like Arn Anderson, doppelganger.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's kind actual of, Arn, yeah. in it? Arn's got, Arn just got a bit fatter. Since his injury, Arn just got fatter, and now he's bitter and he's shouting <laughs> yeah, at the <laughs> How dare you do a spine buster! That's my finish.
1: <laughs> Amazing. There's some good camera interactions with the crowd, I think, in this in this one. Like, there's that one on the... Um, I don't know if you noticed the family later on, and it pans to this whole family, and there's, like, four or five of them. Four of them are wearing NBO shirts, and then the son is just wearing a horseman shirt by himself, and he looks <laughs> devastated. Like, like, they'd run out of shirts, and that was the only one he was allowed to have
2: afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely agree with that. Uh, for the match, though, I... I with all the shortcomings, I thought it was fine for what it was. Uh, character-wise, fell flat. Just like This is just like a pure power wrestling move spectacle. I think it did its job. And I mean, I'm getting bored with the Steiners at this point. It's been a long road for just a tag belt match. It, I mean, they haven't even had a match. The, issue,
0: the issue is I don't mind the storyline too much. They want to prolong it so they just have them kill some jobbers. That's fine. The Steiners are having the same copy-paste match no matter what the storyline is. And that's getting very irritating all of them have slightly different finishes all of them are a little bit sloppy but that's fine that's kind of a enduring quality about the Steiners they should have just had their title match by now yeah they should have had their Easy. title match I also want to see them have a different match I'm kind of getting I'm kind of getting sick of the copy paste Steiner match and I want to I know there's better matches in them I, I want to see it
2: I'm not surprised they get, they get broken up at some point. So, but at least the quality of opponents this time was better. So I, I don't know. I guess that's more of a, like a criticism of the shallow talent in the tag team division. So
0: whatever. that's true. And the shallow booking as well, but
2: this is going to be the last time we see Muto and Chono. Any last words for these two guys? I mean, I, I enjoyed their work. It was good to see them. Cause I've like only seen so much, so little of their work. And I know they're very good wrestlers. I've, unfortunately we get to see them in these conditions.
0: It is a shame. I would have liked to see a longer match out of both of them, but I understand why they weren't booked.
1: Yeah, just if you like, if you liked even this little bit of them, go go find their actual Japanese stuff because it's ten times better. So
0: next match, match number four of the night, and everyone's favorite part of the, bo- the podcast as I butcher six Mexican wrestlers' names. Let's go for it! <laughs> Can't wait. We got a three-on-three tag team match. We got Hoovy, Hector Garza. Liz Mark Jr. versus Parca psychosis. And I don't know how Verano, is that how they pronounce it? Verano 5? Yeah. Sure. That's what I'm going to go four. with. Four. 4. Oh, it's 4. Sorry, it's Verano 4. <laughs> What's very sad is Verano 4 They has such a rich history and is involved in this match and is a good wrestler. He was also involved in a match in AAA like a week ago. He is not such a good wrestler now. But that's really wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He is him and uh, Velanos of lower numbers were involved in the match. They are all <laughs> considerably bigger than uh, than he was here, and considerably slower. At one point, they did a triple dive move where essentially all three of them walked and rolled out of the ring on top of their opponents. So it, was, <laughs> it was far far reached from this match, I'll say that much. This match is bizarre and fast-paced and really hard to keep track of, but we're going to try our best. The second team comes out with Ono, so I suppose they are the heels. second team is also pretty stacked. Parka, Psychosis, Villano 4. It is yeah, Villano 4. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so many of them. That that's like a per, that's a super strong team. Psychosis and LaParca end up being part of the heavyweight division for years and Velano is household name in Mexico for years as well.
1: You can tell they're the heels because they're all in black. That's that's probably the good way of going. Well,
2: oh no Ono's taking selfies. Sure, yeah. If you listen to Tane's commentary, you would know that they're the Rudos. The, yeah. oh, yes, of the course. Rudos. And the other team are the technicos. Just say yeah. heels Tane,
0: you mark. No, he's got to be Mexican.
2: He's got to be Lucha Libre. <laughs> Bobby insists that he he's called Señor Toney. What's iron in Mexico? What's iron?
0: <laughs> Want we'll to do some homework? <laughs> yeah. This is a debut of Hector Garza and Lismark Jr. And I was pretty impressed by Boatman. I don't know if we see them that often in the podcast beyond this, though.
2: Um, I'm not sure. I think we do see Hector thankfully, because, yeah, I I don't, I've never heard of Hector Garza before, and I've been really impressed with him on Nitro's. Liz Mark has been on, like, one Nitro. I think he got jobbed out to Glacier or something like that.
0: I, yeah, I've been inspired to see more Gar- Garza stuff. Like, he is a long career after this. I Like, in recent years, he was in New Japan as well, so I might give a couple Ooh, more of his matches Yeah, I might check those out. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: I love how Dusty immediately asks, like, if the wrestlers would follow American rules and Today is like responds, well, no, because these guys are luchas and they're going to do lucha Mexican games. rules. Shit. And <laughs> if, they were, if they were wrestling an American wrestler, then yes, but obviously they're all luchas. So, no, they're going to do lucha rules. As I just pointed out, he like lays a groundwork, like a whole paragraph of like the rules. And then <laughs> yeah. Dusty's like, what do you think they're going to do? The, the American rules? Like, no, Dusty, where no. were you?
0: <laughs> are you not at these booking meetings? What's going <laughs> on, Dusty? Yeah, Dave. Do you want to explain? Do you want to explain the lucha rules before we start? Uh, the rules are that there are no rules, and the referee just kind of gets to do what he wants, <laughs> I, which is basically yeah. nothing. Uh. Yeah, there are rules for when heels are misbehaving, but when faces need to do double, triple team moves, and need to be in the ring for ten minutes, those rules vanish completely. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody got that? <laughs> yeah, that's bit, pretty much it. The faces early on get to get a real shine on get to do all the crazy moves that I can't even begin to describe here. (laughs) The heels at one stage miss a double-team move. When arguing, they get slapped and hit with a crossbody. The other two heels go to break up the pin with stereo elbows, but miss and hit their partner. All three heels are hit with a slingshot splash, and all three are attempted to be covered at the same time. Because the rules mean nothing. It's all about jumps.
1: (laughs) I, I have, because it's how much of a schmoz this is, like... All I can remember is somebody does a suicide dive really, really badly. I just go, suicide dive is right. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, they do not care about their bodies at several points in this match. And they're just flinging themselves around around the arena.
0: The faces have a triple suicide dive, which I liked. But for some reason, when it starts, the ref like ducks and covers in the corner like a bomb's about to hit the ring. <laughs> it's completely overacts like oh it's going to be such a big impact They better cover up in case body parts Come flying at me I don't know What's the ref doing?
2: Yeah that was definitely the biggest point of the match Because the crowd was mostly like what is going on Why are we watching this match But yeah the triple suicide dive they really got into it After that
0: I've also noted the ref counts pins for everyone Legal men don't matter The the classic I'll give you $100 to tell me who the legal man Must come up a bunch of times In oh, this match God. At yeah, that state, happens, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. that is in conversations.
0: <laughs> At one point, all three uh, faces do moonsaults on different heels, and all three of them get the count. The ref does not care. Yeah. Another big spot in the match, and it's a classic Mexican wrestling spot, is the the star submission in the middle of the ring the crowd does not give a shit about the star spot Come <laughs> yeah. on. I n- i've never enjoyed the star spot it's just too much suspension display they also don't have the cameraman to do it this time so it just doesn't look right either no it, yeah i guess it's decent for tv and then it's like broken up as if the just like drops one of the faces onto another face it's like a re- and usually there's a climatic you know someone does a splash onto someone or someone does a big drop kick or something I just like, what the hell is this? And just drops a face on another face. It's ridiculous. God, you know what
2: else is ridiculous? That you, you want to go with the botch of the night? Go for <laughs> it. Well, <laughs> psychosis almost breaks Hoobie's neck. I don't remember what yeah. the move was. That I just—that's all I wrote down because I was so disgusted. Uh, when I, what I don't I have it. I
0: was—I was too busy trying to come up with names for all the silly spots.
2: <laughs> Gus, do you remember? I thought it was like—I kind of vaguely remember it. Yeah, but I do remember him
1: just disappearing from the match after that. And you're like. I guess somebody's somebody's injured somehow but
2: <laughs> it was some kind of like powerbomb spot from the top rope and it was just he lands right on his neck and you can tell all the commentators like oh I hope he's alive oh he's <laughs> dead that's <a> dead man
0: <laughs> <laughs> all members of the match try for different top rope moves and all miss of course back body drop onto the outside onto the other heels corkscrew plancha by Hector Garza all the spots Villano 5 is out and they do the old switcheroo with Velano Four, so now the heel team has a fresh man, and he gets some offense <laughs> off on Garza. Before Garza clothesline, to the outside, hits a uh, slingboard missile dropkick and a standing moonsault for the win. On it's on Velano, uh, the new Velano. On Velano Five, by yeah. the way, mm-hmm. yeah, the guy who's the fresh guy. Velano Four obviously can't take the heat of a pin. He needs his brother, <laughs> the younger guy. He's obviously like, I'm not taking the pin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you get in there, and take the pin. Get in there. Yeah.
1: Well, I love with how shit the the, the switcheroo is. He's just lying at the <laughs> like outside the ring. They have a camera on him for like a good twenty minutes. Where they're just kind of showing. Yeah, that's not the same guy. Just in case you weren't sure, that's someone that different. uh but he still lost, so it doesn't
0: matter. This uh, is what every <laughs> current indie match in like bingo halls and like gymnasiums is like in front of five people. It's just all over the place. It was fun to watch. A bit too much botching, a bit uncomfortable, and the Mexican style sometimes doesn't translate. I, in general, and this might be a bit uh, a bit of a hot take, I'm not too big of a fan of Mexican wrestling.
2: I'm okay I'm okay with it just because it's like one match on the cards. If I had to watch a whole card of some of this, I, I don't know. I mean, that's kind of like how ECW was. I used to be a, a huge fan of Total Spot Fests, As I've gotten older, my palate has changed, of course. So I don't like the Spotfest as much. This is fine. I I enjoy a lot of these wrestlers. Kubi doesn't botch as much as he usually does because if you watch some of his Nitro matches, good lord, are they awful! (laughs) So this was actually like a fun use of like all the talent they have. I thought so. I didn't mind it as much. I mean, do you guys do you guys not like Spotfest like as much as I as I do? I mean, like as I used to.
1: I thought it was a good palate cleanser. I probably wouldn't enjoy watching it so much now but that's just purely yeah my tastes have changed but like this fits in in the middle of the card and you're just like okay it's just something completely different that you can kind of switch your brain off to and not worry about thinking i suppose so i think it's good it it has its place i definitely like you i, I there's no way i could watch a full card of it i would go mad i think yeah just with how little internal logic there are in the matches.
0: Well, yeah, that's exactly the issue. I don't care what kind of wrestling I watch as long as there's internal logic. Mexican wrestling, even when it's serious, has these weird spots that make no sense. So, like, I rag on the star spot a bit, but that's a pretty classic Mexican spot. And it makes no sense. And I hate it. (laughs) And it comes up in these three-man, these six-man tags a lot. They're also given such a short amount of time to jam, and they're trying to jam so many spots into it. That there's definitely going to be botches. They'd have to be some of the best wrestlers of all time not to just be botching at this kind of high-paced match, and they're not, so they did. <laughs> match number five, the epic match we've all been waiting for.
2: We oh. see the Taskmaster
0: against Chris <laughs> Benoit in a retirement match. I wonder who's going to win the retirement match. The extremely old wrestler that can't be on TV anymore because he's hurt so much, or the young, the young Chris Benoit why money is on the Taskmaster because he has Jimmy Hart and Jacqueline out with him. How can Chris ever win? Man, this sucks. Way to bust that uh, suspension <laughs> disbelief
1: <laughs> right away. Like, <laughs> it, like
0: I, I get why they exist and I get why uh, retirement matches exist. But when you have a retirement match, you need to do something believable to make it feel like the older person could win. And you couldn't do anything to convince me that Kevin Sullivan was going to win this match. Like I think back to when I was young, and like the Mick Foley Triple H match, I wasn't that much of a mark for it, but I knew likely Mick was losing because he's older and he's battered. But there's still a glimmer of hope. He was young enough to maybe keep wrestling, and they could write it off. You know, Triple H is married to the boss. He just reversed the decision. But like, there's no way they're just gonna gonna let Chris go. There's no storyline there. Maybe you could be like, oh, he he has to leave, but he'll come back in the NWO or something. I have no idea. Sullivan is very clearly way past it as well and just can't wrestle anymore.
2: This feud has gotten—I don't it's, even know how to describe it because, like, it's i has been longer than we've been podcasting, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the embarrassing thing. But oh, yeah. at this point, Nancy is fired, so it's just because that was like what heated up the rivalry. Now we don't have that anymore. So now, what are these guys fighting at? like over there's very few appearances from both these guys on the nitro. Well, Chris makes some appearances, but Sullivan's like makes one appearance and all they do with the buildup is just, they show promo packages, which are actually okay. I don't know why they can't show a promo package on the pay-per-view,
0: but you know, whatever.
1: <laughs> Cause everybody's watching nitro Connor. So why would you yeah, need to of replay course, it? Of course.
0: You know? Yeah. Why, why was Nancy fired in real life? I, I never heard the story behind this. Did you guys find Fana, it? a Hussy. I tried to research. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. The,
2: yeah, a, a lot of a lot of the Nancy, Kevin, and and Chris stuff. Like people just don't have answers for because people just didn't know what was a shoot and what
0: was a work at this point. I wouldn't be surprised when stuff like this happens. I'd never be surprised if it turned out that Nancy and Sullivan broke up years ago, and this was all a shoot. Sorry, this was all kayfabe. Like you mm-hmm. never know where wrestling.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I thought Nancy was, like, good at her job, though. That, that was the thing. So that's why I was, I'm like, man, she got fired? Yeah. I was like, I didn't mind her work. And she's way, be- way better than Deborah, mm-hmm. better than Jackie at, at times.
0: So right from the bell of this match, we get what I like to call the fight forever punches, furious exchanges, and Benoit Bar- Mar- Bar- suplexed the outside straight away because, man, he loves to take that spot. Jackie's involved in a match. Whips Benoit into some guardrails that Sullivan has pulled out. Benoit fights back, but Jackie shrugs it off and hits a clothesline. Jackie just knows selling Benoit offence is fantastic. Benoit hits a a low blow on both Jackie and Sullivan when she gets involved again. Sullivan pulls her hair and pushes her back for no real reason. There's just a conflict when there doesn't need to be. They're just creating a conflict between Sullivan and Jackie because... Sullivan wants to get more punches in when Jackie's getting all the heat, I guess. Jackie kind of attacks Sullivan as he drags Benoit onto the beach set to the next stage. But he just shrugs her off like she's not there. So they don't even work on the kind of heat segment between them. Benoit gets beaten down by random junk. Jimmy, for for some reason, climbs a lifeguard stand. What the fuck was he doing? <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy's not involved in the match at all, besides some shouting, but he just gets on a lifeguard stand. And Benoit, of course, just tips the lifeguard stand over. Who wouldn't, as, yes. As you Screw would Jimmy if Hart. Jimmy Hart is standing on it. <laughs> Maybe he thought that was where the
1: safest thing <laughs> safer place to be was so I, don't know. Yeah,
0: I, I wouldn't mind if Benoit had like thrown some punches at him before or something but he has not been involved at all and then straight up <laughs> to the highest spot I can find to shout down at Benoit and
2: yeah, my note here to, to sum up this like whole segment is sloppy chaos or I guess that's this whole this whole match yeah. sloppy yeah. chaos
0: you're missing one other important word slow really yeah. slow mm-hmm. <laughs> this is just about the pace Sullivan can work at this stage Back in the ring for no reason whatsoever, Jimmy and Jackie stop getting involved and stay on the outside of the of the ring. <laughs> They've just been on winning Belmont the entire time and now they're just being obedient and sitting outside the ring.
2: Yeah, gotta love the psychology. Especially when you're the okay. booker. I, I guess I guess that's why. Yeah. There must have been like a force field or something, and then <laughs> horsemen were horsemen were banned from this match too. Who who knows what's going on? Yeah.
0: At one stage in the match, Benoit gets crotched on the barricade, and Raven and Richards are just still having drinks. and eating popcorn. chilling out, yeah. All right. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Well, usually I'm not used to that. Usually when you see like the, the family member or the wrestler in the crowd, they leave eventually, and they come back for their spot. Raven and Richards, obviously, you'll have to be there the whole time because they have to build up suspense to the DDP match, and that isn't for a couple more matches in the card. Subtle, subtle little touch. I didn't think WCW would go through. Yeah, over halfway through the match, Bemar hits a suplex, and Dusty says it's the first wrestling move of the match, and I think he might be right. I guess the suplex to the outside at the start kind of counts. Pretty much, (laughs) (laughs) whatever. Sullivan gets uh, gets himself stuck in a corporate crossface, but they go uh, to the pass out raise hand spot. Sullivan is the heel. Why is he doing the raise hand hook up spot? He keeps his hand up at two and drags himself to the rope. Why doesn't Jackie break it up? Why doesn't Jim break (laughs) it up? Why is Sullivan the sympathetic baby face here?
2: Why is he awful at selling the cross face? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just not going to raise my head. Nope. There's a lot of weird
1: uh, Kevin Sullivan, superhuman baby face bullshit in the the middle of the match.
0: But it's no DQ. Why does getting to the rope matter? Why doesn't Chris just crank it on more? Why?
1: I get more angry at this, but I've already been angry about it like two pay-per-views ago. So like...
0: (laughs) Also, after this, Chris just puts him in another crippler and he survives it again. He gets to the rope again, stands up, Chris starts chopping the crap out of him and he starts no-selling the chops. The old man's last ant. And hooks up the old man's last hand. Jimmy then distracts the ref, who doesn't need to be distracted. (laughs) It's a no-disqualification match. And Jackie brings in the wooden chair. Jackie and Sullivan argue over who gets to hit Benoit. It's a very weird thing to argue about. You can just boat hit Benoit if you want. And then Jackie just hits Sullivan with the chair <laughs> and walks away. <laughs> Benoit hits the flying head, but and that, thank God, is the match. <laughs> and I
1: hope the feud. I gotta give credit yeah. to, to Nick Patrick. Nick Patrick has a gold reaction when he turns around and he sees all the bits of the chair, and he's like the fuck happened? <laughs> oh, the wooden what chair the fuck is this feud? Is so <laughs> yeah. Good job, Chris. The ever-valiant babyface. Overcoming the odds and getting a random non-wrestler to hit his opponent over the head with a chair so he can win. Good job <laughs> winning that baby feud.
0: Babyface stuff all the way through. Sullivan was paid to book wrestling matches. And I want <laughs> everyone listening to let that sink in.
1: Yeah, but like he had to go over... Like himself somehow. Like let's talk. like it's his last match. <laughs> yeah, he has to look good, Dave.
2: Yeah, do the aftermath of this match because
0: that's what. Oh man, it's great. Jimmy shouts in Sullivan's face that he's left let everyone down. I don't know who everyone is. He's retiring. I guess the dungeon. <laughs> Sullivan shoves Hart to make him get out of his face, and Hart leaves the ring. That's it. He just has to end his career as the babyface, and nothing's more babyface. Then shoving Jimmy Hart a little bit. He also walks out of the
1: match as well. He doesn't get stretchered. He doesn't get like no um, carried out or anything. He walks
0: out under his own power as well. I'm pretty sure he's crying, which is, uh, that's understandable. I'm not making fun of the man for crying at the end of his career. But it's very weird. <laughs> I don't mind him wanting to go out as a baby face. So why not like hit Hart with a finisher and that will break up the dungeon as well. But, like, why not just hit Hart with a DDT and the crowd will pop big because Jimmy Hart is a heat magnet. And then you can walk with your, you know, head held high. Why be Hulk Hogan in the middle of this match? I will say it was better than every match they've had before. I will also say that's not a difficult bar to clear.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Some of their Nitro matches are probably better
0: than this. Oh, man. But the feud is over, so my rating for this match is A+.
2: I agree. (laughs) Finally, Benoit can move on from this. Just the whole Jack. Anyway, but the whole Jackie turn is so forced. The whole Sullivan being mad at Jackie, like they kind of introduced it on Nitro, like the only time they were on Nitro. But it's it felt like a mistake because, you know, with WCW, you can't tell what's a mistake and what's actually part of storyline a lot of the times. So that's I hated that part. Like when it happened, I was like, oh, God, Really? But yeah, that, that's, that's my exact note. Glad this feud is over. Sullivan, your matches and your character did not hold up well, obviously. I mean, pretty much everything involved just does not hold up.
1: Yeah. This is like the third match on the card that has a interference or shenanigans. end already we're only five matches
0: in, by the way. <laughs> it's going to get better. <laughs> Next match. Super important match. No. Jeff Jarrett (laughs) versus Steve Mongo McMichaels with, uh, of course, the lovely Deborah by his side. And it's for the WCW United States Heavyweight Championship. Jeff Jarrett, current holder. Finally, Jarrett, like we knew what was going to happen from the start, even if we hadn't already had it spoiled on us, is kicked out of the horseman. He was never, never a good horseman. When you're a worse horseman than Mongo McMichael, you're a pretty bad horseman. We're going to have a, a challenge for this match. And it's called Who's the Heel Here Challenge. <laughs> oh, the, God. That's the, that's the Four Horsemen, like, in general. <laughs> this match, I think, is particularly bad. But I think there is a clear face and heel by the end. But who's the heel, heel here? U.S. champion Jeff Jarrett, who the hate, hates, or Four Horsemen member who just kicked him out of the stable and is a dick, Michael <laughs> McMongo, <laughs> who cheats in nearly every match we've seen. And shouts at the crowd all the time, even though the crowd loves him. Who's the heel here?
2: And yells at his wife at times. <laughs> yells yeah. at
0: his wife. Let's find <laughs> it's out. It's quite clearly option C, Dave. And that's the booker who decided that we needed to see this match again. <laughs> the commentary team talks before the match about uh, Jarrett still using the figure four. So being a bit obstinate, even though uh, Rick didn't want him. It was specifically Rick didn't want him in the horseman anymore. Ah, but he's developed it, though. He has learned the ways they need to they'd point out.
1: It's now no longer just a mere transitional move, but also his finisher. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Wasn't that a transitional move? Or was that uh, move Jeff? judging by the way they talk about it? <laughs> or was that a move that Jeff couldn't lock in very well? So, <laughs> speaking of suspension of disbelief, it's hard to dislike the figure four because Rick does such a great job with it. Why are wrestlers putting on a wrestling hold that can be so easily reversed into something so painful?
2: Because it's very theatrical. Yeah, yeah you're thinking too hard.
0: Yeah. <laughs> because it's wrestling, essentially. It? Start of the match Mongo snatches the title from Jarrett and celebrates. Is he the heel? That's a very heel thing to do. Then Jeff snatches it back after a ref. That's pretty rude. The ref was just doing his job. Is Jeff the heel? <laughs> Crowd chants Jeff sucks. So far, my tally is three heel points for Jarrett, two for Mongo. <laughs> Score. Card. Okay, in my notes,
2: I have loud Jared sucks chance. Yes, he does. Yes, he does.
0: <laughs> Mongo uses the power game early on to dominate, and Jeff bells to the outside of the ring early and often to catch breaks. Jeff copies Mongo's three point stance, but is really terrible at doing chop blocks, so it doesn't look convincing at all. I never thought someone would do a Mongo move worse than Mongo, but there you go. Gimmick infringement is also another heel point for Jared, who's just roaring into the lead on, lead on the uh, scorecards. Double J goes for figure four, but Deborah is onto the apron with a Halburton to distract. Jared tells the ref to get uh, get her away. While the ref is trying to get her off the apron, she hands Jared the briefcase. Dastardly woman! He hits Mongo first in his raised arm, then straight to the dome. This lets Jared pick up the win and the all important fifth heel point to win the heel off. <laughs>
1: i have to i have to hand it to you dave you managed to like summarize a match that went on for way, way longer. longer than that yeah. <laughs> in a very very concise manner which i'm very happy about
0: <laughs> it is all that happened
1: <laughs> i have to also give credit to mongo mongo takes those case shots like a complete man like there is no need to get hit in the head like that and he takes it
0: i am making so. a lot of fun of mongo i think he's way better he was way better than jared he sells well I think his offense is a bit slow and lumbering, but he's learning from the horsemen, and his in-betweens, you know, his taunting the crowd, his taunting his opponent, all go over pretty well. He's he's one-dimensional, but he's doing a fine job, and I think he's doing a better one than second-generation or third-generation Jeff Jarrett. Whatever. <laughs> what, Jarrett's, whatever. A, Jarrett's
1: a dweeb. Like,
0: uh. <laughs> he is. He's such a... <laughs> I feel bad. Maybe Mr. Uh, Jarrett will uh, like, listen to our podcast, and if he is... Please you know send me there's got to be something up with a guy
1: when he's wearing a singlet that's been cut out. Like, like it just looks so <laughs> bad. Yeah. Right from the beginning, you're like, I it don't does. like this guy. No. I don't know why, but I just don't like him.
2: <laughs> Well, yeah, he hasn't had a good match. His character has just been missing. Well, I don't know but mishandled. I don't know if you can really handle the character very well anyways, but yeah. everything about this match, just it was just like this, the exact same match that we just watched. It's like, can we move on from this? Yeah. I mean, the Deborah turn again, it's like, it's not really shocking. I mean, it doesn't help in hindsight, of course, but she had been coming out with Jared anyways. So it's like you didn't do a good job of like teasing it really, but I guess no, it's <laughs> official. Jared yeah. will be away from the horseman. Thank God. And Thankfully, out of WCW, just a few episodes. Also, like, why is he the US champion? Like, it's just it's, mm. uh, Yeah, don't ask. Where's Dean Malenko? Get <coughs> Dean back on the phone.
0: Jared and uh, Deborah hug afterwards to solidify the betrayal on her poor husband, Mongo. The drama. The absolute drama. The crowd goes mild. Yeah. Uh,
2: mm. I love Dusty's explanation to the turn. I'll tell you what happened. You know what happened. <laughs> insightful thank you
0: <laughs> gene on the stage after the match he tells us what happened has happened a hundred times before in wrestling but he's still appalled please don't point out wrestling tropes gene that's not your job we, we need to believe everything's unique oh goody we get a promo on the road wild formerly known as hog wild also awesome, awesome. C- not wait awesome Not wait for this our worst episode is going to be a <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, sold out, I think, was worse. Sold out was pretty mm, bad, yeah. That's fair. <laughs> we didn't have to see people on bikes that definitely only Bischoff enjoyed, though, and, and sold out. Yes, we did.
2: i <laughs> <laughs>
1: <That's true>, sorry. <laughs> there was the whole biker... Biker girl, Dave. <laughs> oh yeah,
0: this is so loud. I hate you so hey, loud.
1: I hate to, I hate I to, like I break forgot. through the repressed memories there, but <laughs> don't, don't, yeah, don't think those out. Gus, oh, one on. of the matches ended with somebody getting hit, hit by a motorbike. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well.
0: Get to the promo, Dave. Get to the promo. NWO promo with Hogan while Rodman stands there. Rodman has a beautiful sun hat on.
2: Yeah, hold on. You gotta call him Rod the Bod because they call Rod, him Rod the Bod like nine times. The in this
0: <laughs> yeah, Hogan really insists on calling him that. I don't think it's gonna stick. I'm convinced no one else has called him that, and Hogan's trying to coin it. And Rod's like, uh, please stop. The first prom, the first part of the promo, the first couple seconds isn't bad. It's just Hogan running stuff down and putting over Rodman and what Lady is. It drags out into nonsense territory after that hogan has become very bad at cutting a promo that's over a couple seconds long to be uh, to be honest it's just not about
1: anything yeah like it's
0: not even about their
1: match coming up
2: <laughs> exactly doesn't doesn't hold up doesn't put over the match at all you know like rodman does a better job he he puts over the belt he's like yo this is what you guys want you're not gonna get it
0: like, Ro- rodman's actually not bad to be
2: honest No, he's he's, I'm I'm trying not to be biased because I I loved Rodman, Chicago Bulls fan, of course, around this time. Lots of nostalgic feelings about seeing Rodman like in his prime. But yeah, he actually impressed me a lot because you guys don't see Hogan with his Nitro promos. It's it's exactly like this every week. It's so boring. You'd think he would get better, but it just he's gotten worse. Yeah, I don't and like
0: the pause there. As
2: everyone goes, "Yeah, I no, go I, it, he's it, just real bad." You just nailed it.
0: Like, and as I said, I can see why Hall and Nash were scared when they got like teamed with him. He he just can't. <laughs> he he anything over a couple seconds is absolute nonsense, and it's starting to get frustrating.
2: Right. It does. It doesn't help to like his entrances, like including this pay per view. It's like it's an Undertaker territory. It's like three or four minutes of just like coming out real slowly, and then we're gonna talk about how great I am play the belt like a guitar and then pose like yeah I got it. I, I'm getting him. close to the point where I fast forward Hogan promos yeah I uh,
0: <laughs> I ha, I have Fair. to I, I don't have to watch as much content as you so it's fine but every time there's one now I'm like oh my god please someone else talk I, I can't skip this I have to talk about it in the cast but I so badly want to skip it I want to skip it more than I want to skip you you uh, Morris matches I'm not saying <laughs> <a lot. laughs>
2: those are like fun train wrecks to watch though. yeah like
1: you can't you can't give out about Hugh Morris and K Dog like
0: Shooky Shooky Ducky indeed. On to match number seven, Scott Hall and Randy Savage with Miss Elizabeth against Diamond Dallas Page and mystery partner. I'm still I'm still into dispute. I'm still I'm not sick of this yet, but we'll see after this match. Hall and Macho out first. Hall has both tag belts with him, but Nash isn't there. I thought Nash might be like the third man on the outside just. Doesn't show up, which is kind of odd to me. Typical Nash, I think. Is there any reason for why he's not out to
2: show, uh, Connor? Like, I don't know, that's just Nash. Other than,
0: yeah, okay, I, I couldn't find a reason. I don't think he was injured or anything. Maybe, maybe there was a reason, but more sure. likely he just wasn't booked in a match, I guess. DDP yeah. out with Kimberly next. He's still all taped up. I'd get those ribs. looked at. that's been a while. <laughs> and of course, he pauses <laughs> and waits for his partner to come out. Hennig Kurt Hennig is his partner. Not Raven, who's sitting next to the ring. Why would he pause if it was Raven? <laughs> Kurt Hennig is the mystery partner. Uh, to very little crowd reaction. And we thought at first it was because uh, DDP's music is dubbed over, so you couldn't hear crowd reactions. But Gus confirmed on uh, reports, yeah, the crowd was just kind of mild. And I think this is honestly because they debuted him on Nitro first to up ratings. I think if they had debuted him on the pay-per-view, people would have went nuts.
2: Uh, Yeah, I I don't necessarily agree with that. They could have handled this a lot better. Part of the problem is Hennig comes out during DDP's music. Like there's no like an easy thing they could have done is like DDP could have grabbed a mic and could have said, here's my mystery partner could have like held up that anticipation a little bit announced (laughs) to who it was.
0: Yeah. Kernetic just comes out. That's it. Doesn't have his own music. The big thing. And I noticed this about Hennig, even looking back before I watched these pay-per-views, Hennig doesn't have a personality. In WWE, he's Mr. Perfect. And, you know, wrestlers don't need over-the-top gimmicks in this era, like some of the most successful wrestlers of all time aren't over-the-top. But he needs something. He can't just be random, not-so-in-shape guy anymore. <laughs> That's decent at wrestling. That's not going to get over. I hate to
2: body shame people, but man. I mean, just compared to how he used to look, obviously.
0: Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm not body shaming anyone. I'm just saying he, he used to be in a lot better shape. He used to care a lot more. And I think it kind of shows even the way he walks, he isn't that motivated. And I'm not I'm not sure why. I want to say at this point, it's been four, maybe
1: even five years that he's had a a reasonably notable match because he was injured. It was more beneficial for him to be injured because of all the, the Lloyd's insurance policies that all the wrestlers got around this time.
0: Sure. Uh, sure. During
1: the early 90s. So he just sat on... contract and he was an interviewer and announcer for wwf for quite a while very good so that's fine like and he was making whatever money he was making and more power to him and stuff but it also means that lots of people don't really know who you are anymore i mean before he was in wwf he was in awa i think so i'm not even sure if he was really ever in wcw for all that much um and if it was it was probably in the mid 80s so you're talking like almost 10 years since you've been on a show for this company, you're expecting people to just know who he is, which is asking a bit. And then you pile on top of the fact that he hasn't really been wrestling for the last four years as well. It's not ideal for him to come back. Like if they'd gone and like that Nitro when he showed up, if they'd gone ahead then and actually given him something to where he could kind of explain who he was and give some sort of background, maybe it might've worked better. Yeah. As the way it is, it's like, how can you care about him
0: well i think there's something else after this match that i'll point out that i think they do very poorly with him and i think you make a really good point we look back at it through these glasses of hennig was so good and you know he's one of the best non-champions of all time and he deserves so much better but you're right realistically he hasn't wrestled in a long time or had a great match or done anything of note of note really we love his commentary but people don't notice commentators at the moment like if Corey Graves all of a sudden start wrestling again, it would be cool, but we wouldn't be that excited. We wouldn't be cheering our asses off if we were in a stadium, you know. It's so it makes perfect sense that why the crowd aren't reacting if you put it that way.
2: Yeah, so that, that's a good point. And speaking of commentary, I thought the commentaries kind of handled it pretty bad. They tried to hype it up for a second, but then they just like it was like dead air. It just really deflated as a viewer, and obviously the crowd was very deflated at that point too. Yeah, I if, think what gets me the most too, it just really bothered me. That Hennig doesn't have his straps up on his singlet for some reason. They're just down the whole time. I thought he was going to pull them up like when he got in the ring. But he doesn't. Wait.
1: It's probably weight. Yeah. It'll probably look really, really bad if he if he pulls them up, I'd say.
2: Oh, I have to wrestle? I'll I'll get my old tights up. Oops, they don't fit as well as they? Like, what was <laughs> yeah. It. Like, it's, I think you yeah. said it, Dave, earlier. It's like he just doesn't seem interested at all.
0: Well, it also feels like they don't have a vision for his character. They they just have a plan of get that WWE guy in there, he's gonna do something in the match, we're not gonna spoil it yet, but something's gonna happen in the match and it's gonna be cool and people are gonna love it, and we're gonna get so much so much like a pop or whatever. And right, right. And that's
2: where the questions come in. Like, we're just gonna ask questions. Like, we don't need yeah. to develop anything. It's like, well, yeah. the, no, then it's gonna be very shallow,
0: very quick. Exactly. And they don't have a vision for this guy. They don't have an overall what is the new Mr. Perfect, what is his character, how does he interact with people? Because they're not thinking about writing a show they're thinking about car like carnies and they're thinking of popping writings surprises pop ratings characters don't, and that's fine for the moment but that means long term you don't have anything that means if that doesn't work initially you're like oh crap what do we do keep doing surprises with this guy we don't know and yeah it feels like they banked on his star power to do something his star power didn't pop the crowd and they were like oh okay well do some wrestling i guess (laughs) We'll dive into the match. We could talk about the booking of Henig for a long time. And I, I think we will talk about it on future episodes. But we start off with Macho sp- and DDP spinning at each other. And I just have noted, gross. Guys, you're being gross. <laughs> Did somebody throw flowers in the ring? <laughs> I don't know what they were. Yeah, they were weird and they were like kicking them out of the ring to get them out oh, of the yeah, way. Yeah, sorry, yeah. it was like weird, like um, shrubbery or something. Like it wasn't even flowers. Really bizarre. Yeah. Then Hall and Hennig are in the ring, and Hall spits his two-pick, of course, at Hennig, but then Hennig spits his gum back. Again, gross. Everyone's just being fucking gross in this match, guys. Let's let's be hygienic about it.
2: You know, we were being apologetic for body shaming, but Hall just goes right for making fun of Hennig's belly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hall knows where the
1: money's at.
0: <laughs> I think current Hall might regret those... Uh... Might regret those comments. Or even two years from this timeline, Hall might regret those comments. Hennig works well with Hall, of course. Some nice offense. He goes to tie DDP back in. Oh, sorry. And says on his way out, now, that's... But doesn't say perfect. And I don't know if he's, you know, taking a bit of a stab at his former employee employers or, like, it's a bit of a nod. But he can just say perfect. WWE don't have perfect trademark that's not a that's not a word they can have trademarked it's kind of weird the nwo isolates ddp and works the ribs like they've been doing the majority of the food eventually Henny gets back into the ring and after a tiny bit of offense he wrecks himself on the ropes because ddp is still holding them hennig clobbers page mounts asshole at him and walks off hall hits the outsider's edge macho hits an elbow drop and that's all she wrote pretty short match and kind of to the point, building up this uh, Hennig, we don't know turn we don't know if it's a full turn yet or he was just frustrated at DDP Feels questions, like DDP. Questions! Questions! Yeah. That's what you pay for pay-per-views <laughs> yeah. for, right?
1: More questions. I have a question I have a question, I'm like, is that is that whole bit botched?
0: Yeah, it definitely it,
2: has to be, it, yeah, it had, looks
0: really really wonky, right? Well, DDP isn't holding the ropes right, so if you want someone to fall when they're on the ropes, you need to kind of hold the middle of them But he's kind of holding the side as if he's like struggling to get out of the ring, which no one has ever done in the history of wrestling. No one's like, oh, it's so hard to get out of the ring. Let me hold this top rope for a while. So I think Hennig is expecting to hit the ropes and just bail naturally, but he doesn't. So he's kind of forced to do a tumble himself. And then, yeah, he turns and hits Clobber's DDP, and that's the end of the match. So we're left thinking is he in the NWO or is he just hot headed? And if he's just hot-headed, why did he team with DDP in the first place?
2: Very disappointed in, the like, just this whole thing. The reveal, yeah. the match in particular. It's like the, I mean, Obviously, the botch ending didn't help. The Savage and DDP feud, it's it's still a hot feud. DDP still just, every time he was tagged in, people were loving him and wanted to get Savage. And Savage spitting at Kimberly before he did the elbow drop. Mwah, beautiful. I love that. <laughs> but, like, I much preferred, like, Hennig doing, like, you can just do different things. We always say that, like, man, you can do so many things better with a match. You can have Hennig do like a run-in and try like help DDP, but like fail to fight off the NWO if DDP was
0: in trouble. I don't... So they missed a huge spot here. They missed doing the reverse NWO. They missed having Paige and someone against three NWO members, mm. and then at the end having like someone save them instead of or having Hennig attempt to save them, or even turn on them again to make the end NBA look big. But anything, they could have done a replica spot of what happened on the first bash of the beach. They had a perfect setup, and they just didn't. And it infuriates me that I can't go back in time and convince <sighs> someone to book it like this.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I hate to armchair book, but <sighs> come on.
0: <laughs> come on. <laughs> it's just there. You just have the mystery partner. You have like the outsiders and macho. You just need a random person with DDP. And have Hennig come out at the end too. And I'm pretty sure people would pop down if Hennig ran down to save DDP. Opposed to just, hey, that's Hennig behind DDP, you know. Uh, It's just bizarre. It's just disappointing, really. (laughs) Yeah. Also, after the match, no beatdown. Literally, on the Nitro, Macho does 100 elbow drops to DDP. About 100 of them. No beatdown after this match. They just leave.
2: I, lo- I love how Kimberly says, you picked a loser of a partner. I'm like, you are very much right, Kimberly.
0: <laughs> thanks, thanks, Kimberly. That's going to help. That's going to help this feud. He- heal those ribs. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to get me my win back. Thanks, Kim. Before I lose my mind, we're going to move on to match number eight. And it's really nice that, you know, they give these young up-and-comers these co made event slots in WCW <laughs> at the time. We have Piper versus Flair. And they've kind of just turned on each other since the last match i don't think the feud makes too much sense but it gives both of them something to do and at least they're not you know burying younger talent neither of them have well flair has been putting some people over sorry that's harsh to say but piper has not and yeah they've just kind of blamed each other and turned on each other kind of classic imploding tag team angle
2: and Dave, you, you, even though you didn't watch the Nitros, you summed it up perfectly. I'm not going to go into the bullshit segments that they they bring up. It's it's not worth talking about. They both bring like mannequins out of each other and stuff. Like, it's just <coughs> nonsense. Like, I, oh, oh, oh. I want to hear makes, more no, about this. <laughs> no. And then like Benoit and Mongo, like for some reason, they're like antagonizing Piper. And then like Flair's just like, all right, fine. I'll, I
0: agree. I'll turn heel. It's like, oh, what? Wait, hold on. <laughs> Benoit isn't the Horseman. I guess. I, I guess the Horseman hasn't been with him for his entire blood feud. Was well, getting beaten up by Jackie. But okay,
1: Aaron uh, was there for a little while. too. Only Aaron
0: cared about Benoit
1: because he, he wanted to try and beat up the faces of fear. Yeah,
2: <laughs> it, it, it's weird. It's weird going into this match just because like the rest of the Horsemen they're like kind of face, and then Flair's like, oh, he's at the heel now because Piper's like the natural face, I guess.
0: Yeah, I, I would. I would also probably say piper doesn't want his brand to be healed at this moment but that's being a little cynical
2: it's that's fine i like flair as a heel better anyways yeah yes for sure too.
0: i'm assuming that
1: piper is just like playing out dates at this point again
2: yeah They're like ah,
1: oh, we have you for so many ways we'll use you
0: flair is out first always kind of bothers me that he doesn't have the horseman music but flair is out first dusty says i don't buy that thing where someone someone's past their prime what show are you watching? <laughs> yeah, the day in their prime. Buy it or not, Dusty. That's literally not how biology works, my friend. There's a nasty raised welt on Rick's back. Did you guys notice this? It's like a tad mm. distracting. There's like a bulge just close to his spine.
2: No, I, I didn't notice that. I'm sorry to correct you, Dave. Piper actually comes out first because one of one of the one of my favorite oh. botches of the, of this night is the N.W. music starts, but it's like a mistake because you know oh, we have to yeah. play N.W. music like every <laughs> other match. And then Piper's music plays. So, yeah, Piper comes out first.
0: (laughs) Uh, Start of the match is all Piper. No selling by Piper at all. And Flair selling the hell out of everything Piper does like he's been shot. They talked about how both men are still in their prime, but then how Piper couldn't turn over into figure four because of his hip surgery. That's good commentary. It's good. Good commentary. (laughs) (laughs) Flair starts to take apart Piper's legs. Who all of a sudden sells like like his legs are about to fall off. Two or three shots to the legs and he's grasping at them and shouting and is, yeah, this, is this the first time
2: we've seen Piper sell on the on the podcast? <laughs> Maybe.
0: He he goes from no selling everything to all of a sudden like a dog Dying. is clamped onto his leg. It's like a real mm. weird and he doesn't build it up one shot and he's like, Oh god, not a leg! My only weakness <laughs> I think no. <laughs> the entirety of his leg, yeah. Yeah. Blair slaps on an early figure four in the middle of the ring, but Piper can turn even though his his hip is dodgy, before having it broken up because of the sold leg. This match is very slow and precise, and they're just trying to get across this whole story of figure four hurts the old man's legs. Neither man has done any real wrestling till Piper tries to put on a sleeper. And Flair breaks it up using a jawbreaker.
2: Hold, hold on, Dave. Piper does a swinging neckbreaker. I believe that's the first move that he's ever done as well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Podcast first. <laughs> Piper locks on to figure four. What? Someone using Ric Flair's finisher against him? No way.
2: D- did you guys notice this, the subtlety of difference here, though? What? So no. most people, they, they swing around the right leg. Piper swung around the left leg. I, I thought Ooh. that was, I don't know, you
0: know, a little... I did not notice that. interesting.
2: Is he left-handed? Possibly, I don't know. When I would do it on my friends, we you know, when we were in, like, eighth grade, you, you, <laughs> you always go around the right leg, come on.
0: The, the figure four is actually quite painful. Your leg, like, digs into your other leg. It's not, it's not an actual comfortable position to be in. Because, of course, I've also put on stuck figure fours on people <laughs> as a child. <laughs> like you do. Who hasn't? Who hasn't, really? They're manages to get to the ropes. When he gets to his feet, Flair takes a knuckle duster out, and it's like huge, it's like a novelty knuckle duster, so everyone can see it. And he tries to hit Piper, but Piper blocks it and takes it off his knuckles and hits Flair with them. Mon goes out to distract her ref and stop the pin. As he does, Benoit comes off the top rope, trying to hit Piper with a headbutt, but he, of course, hits Flair. Benoit is so dumb.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Like Piper's looking at him when he's standing on top of the ropes. <laughs> it's like,
2: how do you think this is going to end, Chris?
1: Like, what are you doing? Like, Oh,
2: it's just the timing was off because Piper's looking at him. And then he awkwardly goes back for the pin. Like while looking at Benoit, like, Oh wait, this yeah. is the spot I need to get down for. Yeah. yeah that's the timing was just messed up.
0: Well, the ref gets uh Benoit as a ring, uh, ring. Mongo steps in and hits a tombstone on Piper. I still keep forgetting that's his finish. It's a pretty, pretty uh, great finish for Mongo. Yeah, no briefcase, <laughs> no briefcase this time. Boatmen are down, and Flair is able to roll over to cover, and only gets a two. That's a tombstone kicked out of. How dare he? Boatmen <laughs> are up, and Piper locks on the sleeper for the eventual win. And I'm so glad that these young lads are getting pushed. That Flair is putting over the young up and coming talents. But this is a, this is a weird match. It's weird that Flair got disarmed in the way he did. It's like Piper knew that Flair had nooks before Flair used them. Because they're all canny veterans. <laughs> so. But yeah, it's an immediate block. A weird over-the-shoulder-grab-your-arm block, and then in one fluid motion, take off the knuckle dusters.
1: There's just matches on this card that I'm just like, I don't need to see. And I really feel like you're only on the show because they were forced to put you here. And it's just preventing me from seeing other wrestlers that would be far more entertaining and might actually be promoting a storyline or somebody's ascension through the card.
0: This feels like a waste of Flair. I think Flair still has stuff to offer and people he can put over. And Piper just doesn't.
2: Yeah, I actually agree with both of you in your assessment. But is it wrong that I actually enjoyed this match? I actually thought it was kind of decent.
0: No, I don't mind these guys wrestling. I I think it's fine. As I said, I would hate to see Piper just bury another younger guy. Right. So right, it, they're they're much better at wrestling each other than they are winning against other people.
2: Yeah. Well, I th- I think part of it is I, I put in the notes that uh, these these guys are, are friends in real life. I was expecting shit all over this match, but because because of the buildup, obviously. But like, I watched this match twice, and I actually didn't mind it that much. You know, just the uh, two guys having a brawl. It, it does feel kind of a weight. But I don't know, I kind of wish this is what WCW was more like, just utilizing the talent you have on the roster just to have dream matches. I mean, unfortunately, we have this big storyline that like it kind of it trumps everything else. So that's part of the problem of like what the structure of WCW is.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I can agree. You know, this is probably Piper's best match.
2: Yeah, that's, and that's what I have in my notes. I'm like, uh, probably the best Flair match. I can't think of a better one, really, because we've had just some bad luck with Flair matches, too. Uh, Flair yeah. Conan, right? Was that a match? <laughs> that was a five star classic, yeah. Yeah,
0: Flair's had a bunch of okay matches. What's so surprising is I'm constantly saying that Flair is past it here and should just be used to put people over. But he's quite a good WWE run years from now, like a long time from now. His retirement run in WWE, I think, is quite good. But I guess at that stage, he they just keep putting him in the ring with like extremely good young talented wrestlers.
1: He's also very formulaic. Like he can he works very similar matches mm-hmm. over and over. So and they're low impact as well. They're not. It doesn't rely on him having to do big power moves or athletic things.
0: That is so. very true. He 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 tells very good stories with his like, and he knows his limitations. Like the match is fine. I don't know if there's much else I can say about it. It's fine, and I'm happy Piper's and wrestling other people.
2: Right, and that's pretty much all you can say about it. It it is what it is. You you wish these guys were involved in more of a storyline match, but like it could have been worse. I was really dreading this match when it first got to it, but pleasantly surprised and that's kind of the weird thing about this pay-per-view. A lot of the matches I was like, "All right, this is going to be the best match, you know, the Jer- Jericho Dragon match." Wasn't that great? But then things like Mortis and Glacier and Urs Miller, I'm like, "Wow, that was actually not that bad." So, weird pay-per-view.
0: What I would like to see I don't know if it happens or not. I haven't looked forward is I'd like to see Flair take a bit of a backseat and just help the horsemen be like the third, like they're trying to act like the horsemen are this rogues kind of, they're not WCW quite, but they hate the, the NWO and just have Flair be their mouthpiece and be like coming to actually coming to the ring with Benoit and stuff. Like we saw when we first start doing this cast I have a feeling that's not what's going to happen, and Benoit and Mongo are just going to be used as Flair Stooges, but we'll see. Last match of the night, pay-per-view hasn't quite dragged, but I'm happy we're here. And we get Lex Luger and the Giant looking for revenge against Hollywood Hulk Hogan and Dennis the Bod Rodman. Rod the Bod. Michael Buffer says, this is the match the world has been waiting for, and for once, I don't think it's hyperbolic. This is a huge moment, and as much as we can laugh at an athlete that isn't a wrestler being in the ring against Lex and Giant, who aren't the best workers in the world, this is huge. Rodman actually stepping into the ring when he's still a full-time basketball player and second best-known basketball player in the world at this stage.
2: Yeah, just, just about. I mean, you have to look at what was going on at this point. They had just won the championship maybe a few weeks before this. So he it's he is relevant. He is on top of the game right now.
0: Sure. Pro- probably one of the best known basketball players in the world. Still in his career. Still after a championship. It's huge to get him in the ring. And it's easy to underplay that now. And how ridiculous Rodman is as a character in real life is, you know, funny to look back on. But huge, huge coup for them. Is it the biggest celebrity to ever be in a wrestling ring? Schwarzenegger is up there. Tyson probably,
2: yeah, Tyson's probably better. Bigger, Tyson's probably
0: bigger. I guess Mayweather is technically bigger later on. Don't, I don't know. But,
2: but yeah, for what Rodman does, like, yeah, I would, I would say this is one of the bigger ones. Because, yeah, I was, as soon as I saw, like, the card for this match, I was like, oh, I bet Rodman does not do anything. And spoilers, he does a lot more than I thought he yeah, would. So way I,
0: more. Way yeah.
2: more than I expected.
0: A question I have for you guys I want to pose to you guys. There are like problems with bringing celebrities in, not only you know potential injuries or whatever, but it's weird to see someone that's not a wrestler go over your wrestler. We've talked about this a bit. Do you guys approve of celebrities being in wrestling rings or disapprove?
2: No, not especially not for the main event. Because yeah, the Nitros really had a difficult time building this match. They're they're just booked into a corner at this point. So yeah, I, I don't like it.
1: I think you can you can get by with using celebrities. Sparingly, and they can kind of add to shows in different ways. Yeah, this for me doesn't work as well because this is like the fourth person this year. yep that they've had. Yep.
0: That is it's true. just been
1: too much. I just don't like the company like spending so much time on them when like they have so many good wrestlers that they could be using instead.
0: Yeah, not even on the card. them Buffer seems very confused about Macho Man's role as he accompanies Rodman and Hogan.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think he's surprised that he even comes out like. Yeah, I think, he's just
0: I, like, "Oh. <laughs> I think Savage kind of just wanted to be part of this big moment to be honest." Yeah, I don't blame him. And something that
2: really bothers me that we, we I think we really need to talk about is Bischoff doesn't come out ever for the pay-per-views. Anytime, like any Nitro, he is attached at the hip to Hogan. It's just weird continuity. I don't understand it. Is it because he's meant to be working on the show or <sighs> sorta of, that the, yeah, yeah, but it's like you would come out with Hogan though. I, I it's He's just not there for most of the big moments. But for for like the, the random off Nitro promos, he's always there. He's always the first one talking with Hogan.
0: Yeah, it's kind of weird. I, I expected him to be back eventually. Like I noticed a couple of shows ago that we hadn't seen him in a while and since sold out. Yeah, it might have been, yeah. might have been sold out. Yeah, and that's insane as he's like the de facto kind of leader yeah. of the NWO almost, it's kind of weird. We also know now, like looking back, we know he's, has a perfect personality for it. As much as I dislike backstage Bischoff, his character is quite good for the NWO. They're kind of sleazy. And when he gets his comeuppance, the crowd love it. He's classic, you know, eventually the face gets his hands on Bischoff and oh my God, that's such a moment. We don't get that here. We just have people trying to get the Hogan and I don't know, it doesn't feel as good.
2: Yeah, same thing can be said with Dylan. Dylan just like never, he's just like, it's like Nitro and pay-per-views are just like a different world. It's really weird. Yeah, but but we're, we're nitpicking, we can get into the match though
0: Hogan starts off this match a bit differently Than he normally does All Hogan matches we've seen so far of him Bailing to the outside and shaking his finger And baiting the face out But this time he stays in the ring And just has a normal kind of start off to a match Him and uh, Lex exchange Simple holds and flex off Essentially after 3 or 4 moves Hogan goes for a big leg drop but misses Lex slams him and forces him To tag out to Rod- Rodman for the first time Rodman takes his time and ties up and gets an arm drag on Luger, to my surprise, of all moves that he did for the first time. The crowd loses their minds, and I marked that a little bit.
2: Dusty loses his mind. Holy crap, an arm drag. <laughs> it's, a, it's a move that like something Piper would never do either. So, sure. <laughs> well, or, or Hogan, yeah.
0: This is the funny thing. Afterwards, to get his heat back, Lex hits a couple of his own arm drags, shows, uh, shows Rodman how it's done and then hits Hogan with one as he comes into the ring. Except Luger's arm drags are piss poor. They're like worse than Rodman's, and Rodman must not have learned how to wrestle that much. It's real, real bad. A leapfrog and a shoulder tackle by Rodman sends the NWO crazy again, just celebrating on the outside for such a basic exchange. Rodman goes to the well again, but gets hit by a big clothesline and needs to tag out. I think this is a pretty great use of Rodman. I think this exchange, the moves are pretty basic, but everyone marked the hell out. And he had to take, you know, a very soft bump to get back out of the ring.
2: This selling was actually decent. I, yeah. I was not expecting that much like, effort like Rodman put into this match. I know he got like a lot of money to be in his appearances, but you can obviously yeah. just phone it in. And he was not. He's loving it. So he must have been like having greed. He must have just been having fun doing all this stuff.
0: He seems to be having fun. And he's definitely playing the sleazy character well. I also like... I like how this is booked as much as I complain that it's hard to do as a heel. I like that he's like, aha, I see, I told you I can wrestle. And then Lex is like, no, you can't. Here's here's some actual arm drives you, play." And they're like, ah, oh, look at my cool re, leapfrog. That's cute. Eat a clothesline. Like, I, I, that is good storytelling, I think.
1: Far above expectations for what I thought he could do or that they were going to get him to do. I mean, he's good character work too. Like, he, he just fits in quite well. But I'm still not happy about him doing anything wrestling related with Luger <laughs> or the giant, yeah, uh, giant. it's just it's all cool I and mean, like oh great like he's he's actually not shit and like he's making it so that it's possible wrestling and
2: stuff but it's like
1: he's still making two guys look like complete rubes and they were world champions like less than in the last four or and, five years or and, whatever
2: and Luger's the number one contender That that I oh, think yeah. that's what hurts the match the most is like we need to be building Luger up as the number one contender and that's yeah. just kind of like a side note I don't even know if they mentioned that the entire match
0: no they, they don't they absolutely do not giant and hogan ring next i think giant selling has got cornier and cornier as time goes and he's talked about this in the austin podcast he didn't really learn how to be a proper giant until him and austin worked so he just sells way too much for hogan way too often he does the whole like stumbling back thing and he like dips back but it looks ridiculous like he's very purposely doing it he doesn't use his weight basically No, not at all.
2: Speaking of weight, I think he put on a few pounds because I did you guys notice he his singlet has like the double legs now. He he definitely looks a little bit heavier. It's it's hard to rag on him because like his weight fluctuates so much, but yeah, he definitely looks a little heavier.
0: Poor guy. Like, there's times at his career where he's like dangerous overweight, and then there's times where he looks like a million bucks, and yeah, he fluctuates so hard over his life. I sympathize, it must be tough, especially. When you can eat as much as a man that size must be able to eat, you know? After some uh, tie ups, Rodman tries for some leaf frogs, but Giant catches him and bear hugs him into atomic drop, getting, getting his come up into a double lift choke. The ref randomly goes over to Lex, which lets Hogan interfere, and the NWO wears down Giant and isol- isolates him. Rodman is in and out of the ring to help with the Giant here, never being left alone with him, but is having fun and is building up some heel heat. This means Luger is the hot tag, but when he gets in, he's stopped dead by a Rodman kick to the back, which I thought was pretty cool. As Giant cleans house, Sting walks down to the ring. Rodman headbutts the ref. Okay, (laughs) sure. Sting hits Giant with a bat. Hogan accidentally hits Rodman, though, letting Lex get Hogan in the rack. Nick Patrick, of course, run down to save the day again because he seems to just the that does that now
2: uh, yeah.
0: and he sees hogan tapping and calls the match after the match lex puts rodman in the rack too and rodman taps which i, I think is a kind of a weird ending because i thought it's weird that your champion is taking the loss in the match but i'm i was like okay that's fair they're just they don't want rodman to lose and they don't want him up in the rack that's fine but then to just do it to rodman literally two seconds after the bell is called seems extremely weird to me i don't know about you guys trying to build a bluger. Doesn't Luger kick out of the leg drop? He does, okay. yeah. He kicks out
2: of the leg drop, yeah. I'm sorry. I don't
0: have that in my notes. Apologies.
2: So, yeah, that's that's even worse. It's it's a weird, it, in my notes I have, it's weird to pull out the leg drop kick out. It should have been a bigger deal. I, I don't know why they pulled it through a deer.
0: They're trying to put him over, but there's like, there's this weirdness. Uh, uh, we're, we're left with the question, you know, Sting, did he turn? Is he in the NWO? We've already done this. We've already had fake Sting come out. Why are they doing it again? They're just rehashing the fake sting. Oh my God, that's a real sting. That's not, that's not real sting. They
1: think it's, that sting has grown like four, four inches in the last time that they've seen it.
0: Four inches and they
2: have a close up. like, oh, is that a mask on? Much, (laughs) much
1: bigger chin. That's just ridiculous. All he's missing is a a flick of the hair at that point. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He even does, he even does his entrance. Like he, he steps over the top rope to get into the ring. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's just because they've done this exact story arc before oh sting's a bad guy we got nwo sting to do it by the way poor nwo sting that's his job
1: <laughs> i would have found it so much funnier if they just made him wear face paint instead of getting him a mask <laughs> just yeah everyone just assumed that it, like made it seem like they didn't know who it was
0: but he doesn't shave so you can just see his stubble. no <laughs> <it's laughs>
1: Everything is still Big Sexy. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to be giving away uh,
0: <laughs> well, like who, who's, who, who the mystery man was. Who's the jo- Who's the Joker in the original real Camp Batman series? The some, Mexican some, guy? Yeah, something Romano, I think is his name.
1: I, I, I want to say Oscar, but it's...
0: Yeah, and he refused to shave his mustache. So they just had to put a lot of paint on his lip, and you can still see it in, in the original Batman series. He's like, I'm not going to shave for this stupid clown character. So, <laughs> so they just paint over it. That's what I want them to do with Nash. I'd love to
1: know how much how much he got to work that night instead of like doing whatever else he was supposed to be doing. Yeah. We're going to get you to come out and hit, hit Giant in the back with a bat. Cool. I'll do it. I'll <laughs> do sure. Do I have to be sober? What? Never mind. Nah, that's I'm, hollow. That's, that's, that's not him. I'm not, <laughs> not going to be.
2: This ending was really weird because like, we closed the show with NWO complaining on the ramp. And just, like, adding credits. It's like, yeah, the WCW was kind of heelish. We did kind of cheat to win.
0: It's kind of weird. Again, it's very weird that your world champion takes the loss as well and not Rodman. I thought it would have been cool for, like, Hogan to throw Rodman in the way like a coward. Like, sacrifice Rodman so Lex doesn't get him in the rack. But, I don't know, it doesn't really tell the story. It just tells the story that the two wrestlers beat the wrestler and the basketball player. That's kind of what I expect to happen.
2: It's kind of like the last match. Like you just take like throw the story or like logic out of the way. I actually enjoyed this match. Like Hogan, I think you said like he didn't stall a lot in the beginning. There no. was a lot of stall on, the, on this pay-per-view and Hogan did the least of it, which I was very surprised <laughs> with. I, I thought this pay-per-view delivered. I thought I thought this main event delivered. I thought it was a big deal. This match, it, it felt like it'd be a deal. The, the crowd was so into it.
0: Yeah, I think it was a big deal. I think it was well booked during the match to protect Rodman. The ending just doesn't tell a story and isn't good. Like the no, random no, that's, run in. That's end, just WCW, Yeah. yeah. Everything, <laughs> the match is fine. The match is better than it has a right to be. And I'm getting kind of sick of Lou Grand Giant. Giant isn't developing like I thought he would. And I guess he doesn't until he leaves by some of the stories he tells. And Lex is, yeah, Lex is Lex. He's a very one dimensional and. I just hope he gets out of the title picture soon. <laughs> 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 oh, Dave!
1: Um, yeah, no, that this match has is way better than it has any right to be. To be honest, when you think when you look at it on paper, you're like, oh god.
2: Yeah, especially with how long it is. When I looked at the network, I was like, oh yeah. man, there's. I was like, oh, there's gonna be so much like Hogan stalling and, and shenanigans and yeah, and I yeah. a decent pace throughout. Yeah, it, it's kind of
1: weird. Like, the the whole pay-per-view is kind of like that. It's like, I just don't really expect much from it. Generally, it's better than, than you think it'll be. I Like, there's no actual, like, bad match on this card, right? Like, there's nothing you, can, you out and out go, God, don't watch that. It's terrible.
0: Nothing terrible. Like, the Steiner's match is bad, but not because it's bad wrestling, just because it's not a match. It's squash on a pay-per-view, which you never want to pay for.
2: Yeah, I would say maybe, J- yeah, Jared, the Jared one or the Sullivan one. or Yeah, probably like that. But they're all, like, passable. Yeah, watchable.
1: Yeah. yeah. You kind of pass the time easy enough, but it's just that it feels like I'm in stasis watching it. Like, <laughs> nothing has changed over the last six months or whatever. Like, next month, I'll probably watch the same pay-per-view again.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're really bad at developing. Even the DDP feud, which I'm very invested in, is now kind of just extending itself until they have a good way to end it. Well, they've got this really awkward
1: spot where, like, they have about four or five guys who could legitimately wrestle for the title but nobody's ever defending the title so they have this like backlog of guys ready to go but hogan's just like eh, i don't feel like doing it so they keep pushing off title matches
0: yeah and their secondary title is so far removed from their first one like the us championship just doesn't feel like it means anything so it
1: also feels like it's on a completely different planet yeah because but- like Jarrett is just so far removed from any sort of storyline or whatever is going on in the rest of the company like yeah he may as well I'm, be in a different
2: company i'm glad you guys brought this up too yeah just rego has been just nowhere as well i'm sure he's on like saturday night or whatever but yeah S- since he had the awesome match with dragon just like yep nothing
1: well i mean like there's been there's two title matches on this show and the last time the world title match was defended was like four months ago or something maybe even longer i can't even remember the last time the tag title titles were defended were several months ago as well. And they're meant to be the two big titles. And they're just nowhere to be seen. I and mean, then whatever about the T V title, I like, am not expecting that to show up all the time or whatever.
2: But Right, right, right.
1: But those two should be uh, they should be on your shows all the time. That should be like a
2: draw. And or, or just, just your not. yeah, your big show like Bash at the beach. Yep. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yep. I agree. So at the end of every episode, like I ask all the time, Connor, whose side are you on?
2: Not a doubt. I mean, I'm on the side of the NWO just because seeing Rodman perform, I I, I kind of hinted before. This is obviously peak Rodman fandom for me. It was just an overload of nostalgic feeling just watching him wrestle. I mean, even though I've never seen him in a match, like just it's just a weird feeling. And I will continue to be on the side whenever we see him next, for sure. And uh, as far as this pay-per-view overall, it was watchable. Glad some feuds finally got resolved. I'm intrigued with the new talent coming in and hopefully some of the bad talent leaving soon, Jarrett. And in hindsight, (laughs) I feel like the Luger Hogan match should have been like this month. I feel like it could have been this pay-per-view and I get it. They had to like, they had to work in Rodman. He couldn't wrestle until the basketball season was over. So they were kind of booked into a corner that had to be this month. And you don't want it at Road Wild, so... <laughs> I don't know. Man,
1: I wish they'd done that. Could you imagine?
2: That would have been amazing. But after all this, like Luger doesn't feel red-hot like it was earlier, and being with Giant just hasn't helped, so... Either way, I'm looking forward to seeing how this plays out, and, yeah, a watchable pay-per-view. I did not feel like it was a slog uh, after my two viewings I did, so, thumbs up. Fair. How about you,
1: Fergus? Whose side are you on? I mean, considering... The NWO and WCW just seems to be fading vastly into the background for many of the bookers. I have to be purely on the side of big, sexy sting this time. Um, <laughs> because when you watch him swing that bat, like he can't say no. I mean, who wouldn't want hair that nice or to be that tall and that cool? That's true. Um, It's been a year and not a lot has actually really happened when you think about it in terms of the context of the storyline. I know that certain events will perhaps like provoke more actual things to happen now in the next month or two, but it's still, it's been dragged. The outsiders have had those tag belts basically since the beginning. How many times have they defended them? How many times have they actually done anything meaningful? Uh, How many times have they had any meaningful matches with the NWO in the last four months, really, or that the announcers cared like it's there and they still exist. And obviously they have the main belt and it's, it's causing a bit of a pall or whatever. But I'd say if you asked people that were watching at the time and they like say they started after they'd heard about the NWO, they probably wouldn't really know the, like half the people that are in it or what's going on with it. They would just be like, yeah, they're cool because I like these guys. It's not cool because the storyline was cool and it feels like it's already moved on. So uh, the, the pay-per-view itself is, like Connor said, I agree is is good, far better than I expected it to be especially considering like how poor they've had for certain pay-per-views. This was remarkably refreshing in terms of people's performances and ability. So like Connor as well, I'm looking forward to newer people, hopefully clearing out some of the other guys. They have way too many guys at the top already at the moment. And that's a big issue for them. And I think that's going to cause more problems, I think if I'm remembering correctly. So
2: we'll see. Yeah, that, that brings to mind, There was, there's was no Conan or Hugh Morris, so yeah. thumbs up on that.
1: <laughs> no K-Dog. No K-Dog. <laughs> um, yeah,
2: excuse me. No K-Dog.
0: <laughs> as for me, I think I am coming down on the side of Raven. I'm in Raven's flock. Third option. Because both sides, as you guys have pointed out in length, kind of floundering. Nothing's really happening and I'm waiting for something to happen. I, I don't think there's much else to add about the show. I think you guys hit the nail on the head. Fine show, way better than the card implies it would be, but really disappointing that one of their main, their big tree shows developed essentially nothing besides a mid-card turn that we don't really care about. It's probably like top three of what we've watched in terms of wrestling, like whatever. I think think what stops it from being like top three is there's plenty of terrible shows that I'm fine I watched because there was two excellent matches. None of these matches were excellent. None were close to excellent.
2: Right, or like storyline. So like Fall Brawl is not a good pay-per-view, but it's like the this, Sting this storyline was like what yeah, I liked about first, it though. Yeah. First
0: Bash in the Beach has like a good opening match and then has a big storyline at the end of it, you know? There's lots of pay-per-views like that. One good match, one actual relevant piece of storyline. This is all. It is sad that your, a marquee pay-per-view is all holding patterns because mm-hmm. they might have plans for these guys in the future, but they don't want to pull the trigger until their oddment thing is out of the way so this whole thing is about Rodman and yeah Rodman did a lot he was fine he was absolutely fine in the ring and he told the story but it's not going to mean anything besides spiking the buys and the ratings at the time so maybe at the time it would have been a lot of fun to watch but certainly now looking back it's not great that's us for another edition of the WCW vs NWO podcast follow us on social media you can find us on Instagram Twitter and Facebook under the handle WCW versus NWO podcast where else can they find us Connor?
2: Well, Dave, they can check us out on Vimeo. I did a, a nice little video on the great match that we had, uh, K-Dog versus Hugh Morris. We're going to bring that up every <laughs> time because we love that match. You should check it out. It's on Vimeo.com slash WCW versus NWO podcast. You should check that out. Hopefully, you get to do more video content in the future.
0: For me, Connor and Gus, thanks for listening. And Join us next time when Lexi gets Lexi.